With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The other night, we had a very serious attack in Waukesha, Wisconsin. A man drove an SUV through a parade, striking many, many, many people. There are a lot of injuries. Now, the motivation is a big question. And we try to tell everybody, you know, why don't you wait a little bit till we can figure out what's going on. But it seems like there's no clear motivation. Now, the police are saying it's not terror related. There was no pursuit. But also trying to make it seem like he was fleeing from some kind of domestic issue or some kind of knife fight, which makes no sense because he was not being pursued. In that case, maybe the story is an angry man decided for no reason, just in the heat of the moment, to ram through a parade instead of turning off onto any one of the side streets. Or as one BLM activist put it, they think it was retaliation over the Rittenhouse verdict and that the revolution has started. I don't know if I take that all too seriously, but I think what I do take seriously is the fact that on both the left and the right, it is being viewed as political or terror. I shouldn't say entirely on the left. Of course, the establishment left is trying to downplay this and say, oh, no, no, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. But when you have a lot of you know activists on, on Twitter saying he was just defending himself or this is what you get or things like that, or... Quite literally, it sounds like the revolution has started is the full statement. Uh, maybe it sounds like the revolution has started, not because of what happened, but because of what people are saying. So we definitely will get into that. And we also have an update on uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, Kenosha. Not so much Rittenhouse, but there are civil lawsuits being fired off already. I believe one, one more than one so far, two, right? Two so far. Two so far. So we're going to get into all that stuff. We've got some other stories too, but we've got uh, two excellent guests today and... Um, Glad to have you, Ricada Law. How did you introduce you as that? Introduce yourself, man. Yeah, hey, what's up? I'm Nick Ricada of Ricada Law, a small law firm in central Minnesota. Very happy to be here, by the way. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks for coming, man. And uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. It's called Ricada Law. We talk about legal stuff, and sometimes we talk about, you know, ridiculous other cultural stuff and anime because. Oh, well, that's cool. Well, <laughs> I just want to I, I I add that. Um, you say a small a small law firm, but you had a massive live stream during the trial with this big panel of of, of, of lawyers. So while the Rittenhouse trial is going on, you were what everyone was tuning into for the most part. And I will say this. Last week, Tuesday, we had Alex Jones, Joe Rogan, Michael Malice, Blair White, me, Luke, you know, uh, um, Drew Hernandez. We had 110,000 concurrent viewers for this big, you know, crazy battle royale. You, you on your stream of lawyers, 130 plus thousand people watching because you guys were giving insightful and excellent commentary into what was going on with the trial in real time. So that's, that's amazing. So we're going to, we have a lot to talk about. I guess you have updates for us too. Yeah, there was, uh, well, there... we'll, we'll, we'll save it. Okay. I was going to preview wait. it, but we'll, we'll wait, but it's related we'll to Dominic Black and this is, this will be really, really interesting. Yes. Something no, you know, no one has probably talked about this or heard about this. So it's going to be pretty cool. Cool. Right on. Pretending the guns too. Uh, we also have Cash is back. I'm back. Cash He's back. Is back. Yes. What's going on, guys? We love Congratulations on your successful tour day. Oh, like a little bit. Yeah. I heard it was pretty awesome down there. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. Fun. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, Cash Patel, uh, 16 years in government. You can find me at fightwithcash.com. We're going to get into it, but I launched my merch site tonight, fightwithcash.shop. And 
Special discount only for TimCast viewers. Type in TimCast, okay. you get a discount tonight on all oh, the merch. Oh, wow. Very cool. Uh, you also, aside from working for the Trump administration and in government, you were a trial lawyer? Yeah, I pretended to be one for a while. <laughs> I was a public defender, and then I became a federal prosecutor. So tried about 60 jury trials to verdict in criminal cases, uh, state and federal court. It was awesome. And then I was just like, I really want to go make some money. And so I stayed in government. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> All right, then. Well, this will be great. You guys will be able to talk to us about the, yeah. the trial. We got we have, we have a lot of updates. We're gonna, we'll start with the Waukesha stuff. But we got the rest of the crew. They're chilling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really don't like lawyers. But <laughs> I'm a recovering but boy. But you guys are okay. Uh, you guys are fine. I'm kidding. I'm really excited about today's show. And the shirt that I'm wearing today, I think... Um, Pretty much says uh, exactly the situation we're in as it highlights the Hunger Games, Animal Farms, Day Live, Brave New World, The Matrix, V for Vendetta, 1984, Fahrenheit 451, all depicting wow. your current reality. If you think this is an accurate statement and want to highlight it with the rest of the world, you can on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. Get yours before the supply chain shortages stop you from getting it. Thanks for having me. Over here, you got the uh, fun-loving internet surfer. What's up? Ian Crossland. Happy to be here, baby. Let's go for the ride. Ian looks like he's still in bed. I am <laughs> still cold, man. He just it's came like out of bed. 70 degrees in this room or something. Yeah, 65. Chilly. And I am also here. I am ready to get educated on law, so let's get going. Don't forget, go to TimCast.com. Become a member. You're, you will get access to the members-only segment. We'll have one up tonight at around 11 or so p.m. But I want to point out we have the Green Room episode. This is behind the scenes as we prepare for our show with Alex Jones and Ben Stewart. So you might want to see this. Alex wasn't on the show. He just randomly comes into our trailer. <laughs> so that's a members-only segment you can check out. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this show right now. Smash the share button. Take that URL, post it wherever you can. Help us out. It is the most important thing you can do. Luke, you're, you look he like has you. a history of doing that. He woke me up in my trailer <laughs> last year. Uh, I think that's also on your sponsor lounge as well. It is actually yes. one of the oldest uh, first sponsor video member videos we have is Alex Jones storming into Luke's camper while he's sleeping and waking him up. <laughs> that's the amazing content that's you get as a member. First time seeing him in ten years after fighting, and I'm like, what? Surprise. In the Alex world, is standing like, over you in your bed while no, you're like I'm vulnerable so and napping. This is how it ends. Alex finally come for me. Uh, but sharing helps. It, it really does. Uh, so how about you smash that like button? Let's jump into this first story we have from the Washington Examiner. Check this out. Uh, as most of you know, I want to be careful. It's a very serious subject. I mean, it, it is it is horrifying watching what happened in Waukesha. If you haven't heard, a man took an SUV and he plowed into people, just running them over. There's several uh, casualties, uh, dozens of injuries. There is a very horrifying video where a little girl is just bouncing, a little toddler bouncing in the street. And the car passes within, you know, maybe a foot or two of this kid. And I'm just thinking the parents must have been crying, seeing what happened and knowing how close their, their child came. This is horrifying. And we want to know what the motive is. We don't necessarily know. Everybody's speculating, and it's hard to say for sure. But this guy has a criminal record involving kids or, or child. So that's very serious. But he's also a, a Black Lives Matter supporter. He supported black nationalism. He's been critical of Trump. And there's been a lot of speculation. So here's the story from from the examiner. Black Lives Matter activist wonders whether Waukesha attack was linked to Rittenhouse verdict. Sounds possible. The revolution has started. Now, I'll, throw, I'll call out the examiner a little bit here. His, his exact quote is a little bit different from sounds possible. Uh, the re- and then they stop the then quote revolution has started. He says, I, I believe his exact quote is. It, but it sounds possible that, that the revolution... Okay, to be fair, they're only taking out a couple words. Yeah. He says, but it sounds possible that the revolution has started in Wisconsin. It started with this Christmas parade. This is a guy named Vaughn Elmaze. 
Now, I don't think it's fair to say this guy is calling for it, agreeing with it or otherwise. But I think it's important to note that this guy, not like he's a powerful influencer, that's his frame of mind. That he sees this and his immediate reaction was retaliation over the Rittenhouse verdict. Many people on the right have pointed out the same thing. It is it is two days, not not even two days, not even two full, full days from the Rittenhouse verdict, when already tons of leftists were saying, I'll be careful about how I phrase it, but threatening death on many people, not just Kyle. You have people going on Twitter saying retaliation, revenge, something like this happens from a guy who's been promoting this stuff on his on his social media. That's what it seems like. Now, I want to stress the police have said there's no they, they do not believe it's terror at this point. They're saying he was not being pursued. He was fleeing some crime, which I think makes no sense. We have this from Andy. No, he supported BLM causes, George Floyd, black nationalism. And he has a post about how to run away uh, about running, running people over on the street and getting away with it. So. That being said, the big takeaway is not what his true motive was. And I say this often when it comes to this stuff. It's how people react. Mm. If the left and the right are both reacting that this is political, it becomes political. Yeah, I think uh, not just how they react. I, I agree with you on that. Um, how people react, it becomes political. It gives us a pulse check on the country and where we are. We've been hearing this sort of rhetoric kind of bubbling beneath the surface in, you know, internet forums and stuff over the past couple of years, but it's becoming more and more of a mainstream idea. Oh, sorry, I'll get on the mic. <laughs> um, but uh, the the other aspect of this is the media's culpability. Because the media has been misrepresenting the Kyle Rittenhouse case for the past year. And they've been misrepresenting the case after the verdict, after the facts have come out over and over again. If you if you watched our show, we had the entire trial streaming and you could see the actual facts coming out in real time from the witnesses who were there. The media has completely whitewashed over those facts being put out there. The only place that's done anything to even mildly walk it back is CNN saying, oh, we now found out that the gun didn't cross state lines. That that <laughs> clip was amazing. I don't know if you guys have seen it. But uh, uh, they're like, we, we've learned some things in the trial. And then they just rattle off this huge list of everything they, they glossed over and got wrong that we've all yeah. known since the beginning. And then when Cernovich was like, they're basic, they're scared of getting sued, the reporter responded with, sir, I am just a reporter. No one's making me say this. And I'm like, bull crap. Yeah, they're just yeah. running cover for the Covington uh, so they don't have a repeat of the Covington trial. But again, uh, I would go even further. I would say that the uh, the corporate media, because that's what they are, they have been race-baiting hustlers for the past two years on an insane level, pushing a divide-and-conquer agenda. Yeah, I was going to say. Far longer, far longer <laughs> than right. two, but, but ever since Occupy Wall Street, I would say it became more prominent. But the last two years has kind of crescendoed in this moment of insanity that really has real-life effects. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We saw the mainstream media purport things that actually resulted in people getting hurt, injured, or killed in many instances. Social media, of course, promoted that. But look at, look at what CNN, look at their headline today. Their headline today was that, uh, it was quote, there's nothing more frightening than an angry white man. Yeah. This is after the tragedy. A day after. Yes. Hours after. Dang. 
Five people died, 48 people were injured, and this kind of thinking, it's its not just an exception to the rule, it is the rule for the corporate media. This guy, he's speaking because he probably watches a lot of corporate media. There was another Illinois Democrat that almost said the same exact thing, Mary Lamansky, who said that this was karma and that this was an act of self-defense because Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted. So these are mainline white women Karens even talking about the same points as this BLM guy that you just played that 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 just released that video. Now, how the police going to come out and say, yeah, the guy's political. Yeah, all these political people are celebrating it, but it's not terror. Well, look, he's not wearing a turban. I, I mean, to be fair, yeah. is that? Is it, but, but the left would immediately be like, "That's not terrible." <laughs> I right, like the exactly. subjects of today's conversation. One, karma. I'm like the resident Indian, so I'm definitely be able oh, to talk snap. about that. Yes. <laughs> Two, we're talking about defamation, and we're going full turban. So I'm like, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, to go. That's um, awesome. But no, I don't know if you know this, but f- that's why I started FightWithCash.com. It's literally I'm suing New York Times, Political, and CNN for 150 million dollars for defamation because of my work during RussiaGate and the Trump administration. They've literally defamed me. Across the board. And then when I left government earlier this year, people were like, I want to sue for defamation. I don't know how to do that. So literally, the entire legal trust is – I don't make a dime. We cut checks to lawyers who are willing to take on defamation cases across the country. And that's what we're doing. And I'm glad you guys are fighting the fight. And if you need well, help, let us know. I got good news for you. I uh, uh, I think at this point, you could – just be a defamation lawyer and probably be rich for the rest of your life. Just yeah. you, you, you never run out of work. It's not hard work. I mean, you know, normally I remember going back a few years and it's like defamation and, and, and stuff. And it's like, well, how do you prove damages and how do you prove this and how do you prove that? And these days it's like just give CNN five minutes to report on the story. <laughs> yeah. And then you can sue them and it's clear, actionable. They're, 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 it's easily to prove that they were wrong. Yeah. They knew they were wrong and you just make some money. You, you know, we'll call it sandmanning. Yeah. Well, we have, yeah. we have a bunch of people doing that work, right? Sandman paved the way for going after journalists. Project Veritas has been making huge headway. Um, winning, winning a lot of pretrial motions in New York that people didn't think they could win. New York reinforced its anti-slap statute, made it a lot stronger and they went ahead and steamrolled right over it in their case against, uh, against New York Times. And, and so the biggest bar to a defamation lawsuit has been, um, can I afford the lawyer to yeah. do it? Because lawyers, you know, unless it's a really clear case and a really clear case of defamation is extremely rare, you're not going to find a lawyer taking it on contingency. They got to put in the hours. If you're going after someone like CNN, the amount of resources that have to be expended to fight those guys is massive. So you, you can't just assume that you're going to win and be able to recover. I want to, I want to talk about a lot of that in greater depth because we do have a story. There's civil lawsuits filed in the, in the Rittenhouse case. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll get much more in depth on this, but I want to shift it back to, you know, this, this tension that's rising between the left and the right following this. What scares me is that for the longest time, we have seen instances of some kind of violence. And mm-hmm. immediately, I mean, uh, let's be honest, the establishment, the corporate press is much more likely to do this than the right is to the right's disadvantage. The, the, Kyle Rittenhouse is a perfect example. He, he crossed state lines with a gun. He shot black people, like none of which is true. But they just keep saying it over and over again. Then when it comes to, you know, other instances, you'll get the right, or I should not, not even necessarily the right, but the, the anti-establishment, the, the, you know, the establishment critical, whatever, saying, you know, this might not be political, this might be random, and we'll try to make sure we're getting the facts correct. Now I'm seeing a lot of people say, no, revenge. 
Now they're, now I'm seeing all these tweets from conservatives saying, I don't care why the guy did it. If he has any posts that are pro Black Lives Matter, this was a Black Lives Matter attack. If, if, if we escalate to that point, and I think the, the establishment's driving it, this is going to contribute to more chaos, more clashes, and it actually will invoke more attacks and just make everything worse. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of details here that we should talk about, but we should talk about it in an honest perspective because there are some people arguing that he was deliberately turning into people when he was driving. He wasn't being chased. He called for political violence on white people before. He did refer to white people as, quote, the enemy. He was a huge Colin Kaepernick fan. There's a lot of... That last one, that's it. Yeah. That's, it. <laughs> that's the and most again, offensive again, thing I've heard. Is it all Colin Kaepernick's fault? Of course not. No, no, but, but some of these details do matter, and they do deserve to be talked about in an honest, real way, where it's not just pointing at people. But but he was an extreme criminal. He had, he had an extensive criminal past. He was just released two days ago on a $1,000 bond, which the Milwaukee uh, county DA was bragging about his bail reform. Now, of course, he just came out publicly and he admitted what he did was a mistake bailing him out. His his record is, is huge. Why was this man walking the streets with such a crazy extensive record? I'm even saying that as not of a fan, not a fan of the, the prison industrial complex. But but there's something uh, uh, that needs to be discussed here that obviously the corporate media is not willing to discuss, doesn't want to discuss, that highlights a lot of nastiness within our society that does deserve to be surfaced, in well, my opinion. Don't forget yeah. that one of the things that he was being charged with was skipping bail. Mm-hmm. Like, so he actually has a record of not having uh not honoring the bail agreements that he has and so for them to go ahead and then grant a reduced bail to an absurd amount a thousand dollar bail to put it in perspective in in my tiny town uh my town is uh, or the big town near me is about twenty thousand people and um i had a guy on a uh it's the lowest level of felony drug possession charge you can have the like a class e felony and the bail for this was possession of a little bit of thc was um twenty thousand dollars. Wow. Wow. And and so this Wait, guy he just had a little bit of THC and they're trying to lock him up in prison? He actually didn't have any THC, which was even better. But uh but I yeah, know. that was the the justification was it was uh C B D oil and they said, Oh, there's probably THC oh, in it. Wow. It was it was embarrassing. But the bail on that was twenty thousand dollars. This guy gets a thousand dollar bail, he's got a rap sheet but, that uh is significant with felonies yeah, on it. There's twenty five mugshots of him on. in multiple states. That's all I have <laughs> wow. to say. Yes. But but twenty thousand dollar bail that means two grand down, right? That means two grand in Minnesota. In Wisconsin, they have uh, well, two grand down. But if you uh, if you go ahead and honor the bail agreement, you don't get any back because um, that's you're, you're paying that fee to a bondsman. So um, a bondsman will put up your twenty thousand in exchange for ten percent. I see. I see. In Wisconsin, they don't allow that. In Wisconsin, it's cash bail. Uh, they don't allow full, you to full 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 amount. Full amount. So really? that's why Kyle had to pay the two million dollars uh, on wow. his bail. In Illinois, isn't it like you pay up ten? You put up ten percent or something? Yeah, some states have that built in. Other states use bail bondsmen to do it. Uh, wow. Wisconsin, it's the full cash amount. So his would be the equivalent still of a ten thousand dollar bail in Minnesota. But that's that's nothing. I mean, and right, it, it's absolutely embarrassing that this guy with several felonies and skipping bail on his record. Well, that that so like this case highlights like people who actually want to do criminal 
justice reform and bail reform and bond reform. Look, I've argued a thousand bail hearings, okay, on the defense and prosecution side, right? And there's some nasty guys that get let out. And then there's some really rich guys who shouldn't get out, but get out because they got a lot of money, right? And this kind of conversation we're having actually goes back to that, which is where the conversation should be. But when CNN and everybody else jumps in and starts talking about race and hurling fake news and making up facts that don't exist then we overlook the biggest problem. Yeah, I don't think there's like a normal human being on planet Earth that thinks this guy should have been out on bail. 21 years as a convicted felon, running around town, skipping bail, convicted of serious aggravated felonies. And oh, by the way, what was he on bail for previously? Punching the mother of his child and running her over twice, allegedly. Yep. Right? So, okay, is that not a violent crime? Um, Maybe. And what's he doing on bail? You have this defund police movement that comes in and it just sort of – it's an avalanche. And what these prosecutors now do is they just curtail themselves to the whims of the media and they're like, well, this is this is the right thing to do. We should just give everybody bail. And I was like, I never heard that when I was a public defender. Do you, do you think CNN producers cry themselves to sleep at night? They should. In their <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm not joking. They might cry in their sleep. I'm, I think, Only if they're honest. Yeah, so no. But, but, <laughs> no, no, but let's be real. Like they're – regular people who work at these companies, these media companies. And sure, maybe Brian Stelter twirls his mustache before bed. He doesn't cry. You know, that guy, that's a guy who goes on TV every day and just... Without just, pants. Well, he doesn't comb his hair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Lack <laughs> thereof. But, uh, but look, there's a lot of things he said that are just so outrageous and obvious. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, and this guy claims to be a media reporter. To, truth be told, people need to understand this about Brian Stelter's show is that it's often about nothing. Like uh, I was, I, when I was flying back from Austin, I was watching it, and he was talking about something that was totally irrelevant. It's like in the weeds media stuff. Mm. So irrelevant to people who work in media. But then when he gets into like fake news and then he just makes stuff up or just lies or whatever, it's like, does this guy even really care? Now, now I don't think he does, but we've seen the, the, the Veritas videos of people who are like, man, we used to do news. There's like mm. a guy sitting in a room and he's just like, I remember we used to go out and do, do reporting. Now it's just we just do panels about Trump. Do, like I, I'm willing to bet that there are some people who are just producers, man. They're just people who want to operate the camera and want to get the story out. And they're sitting there every day. And it probably feels like their heart's in a vice every day they got to go in. MSNBC too. I mean, look, look at this. Tucker Carlson used to be on MSNBC. They used to have like Republicans, conservatives, moderates. There are people who have probably been in that company for a decade, 15, 20 years maybe. And they've watched all this happen. And they're probably crying at night. I'm not even kidding. Imagine you put in two decades at a big network. It used to do good reporting and good opinion stuff. And now it's Rachel Maddow. You're probably just sitting in bed crying, asking where it all went wrong. I don't think there's a lot of those people, though. I mean, I'm in a lot of these studios every week doing hits. I'm not on CNN or anybody I'm suing. But you meet a lot of the people, the everyday people that make it happen, the cameramen, the editors, the writers, the people who've been there for 10, 15, 20 years. And most of them have been subjugated by the big corporate media, CNN, MSNBC, of the like. They basically don't allow you to work there unless you agree with their top line, which is what they're promoting at the end of the day. I go into Fox, for example, right? I'm not, I'm not making this up. Half the people at Fox are Democrats. Mm. Oh, yeah. Workers they're in New York City. The board, and they're, they're in New York, New York City. City. And they don't, they don't fire them. They don't bury their voice. They just come in and do their job. And they know who the Hannity's of the world are. But during Occupy Wall Street, when Geraldo showed up, and the activists all surrounded him screaming fake news, and they were throwing water on him, the sound guy yelled, I needed a job. Something like that. Like, that dude clearly was not happy working for this network. Yeah. And people were screaming at him. He was like, it's just a job. I need work. I needed the money. And they're just, like screaming at him, fake news. I think I kind of feel like, you know, I worked for some of these companies a few years ago and I watched how they changed and I left immediately. Like I worked for Vice. Vice, I wanted to work there because they were, you know, uh, uh, Shane Smith, the CEO and one of the founders, 
said on Stephen Colbert, we're not left, we're not right, we're not Republican, Democrat, we just, you know, we're storytellers, we want to talk to people, and we, we don't want to be a part of that. And I'm like, man, that spoke to me, right? And then I go and work there, and I watch the changes, and I watch the slow things, and then eventually I'm like, I should go somewhere else, a new start. I go to an ABC company, thinking it was, it was a new joint venture, it was not the same as the corporate HQs. And in the first few months, they really were like, do your thing, you know, it's like, they called it nice vice. Like, don't cuss and do the weird stuff with hookers, but, you know, go, yeah. go, do, the, go, go do the field reporting. But then within eight months, they were like, we've decided we're all going to become woke feminists. And I'm like, can I leave? Can I not be here? So I, I watch, like, you know, there are probably people there who had good intentions. And now it's just become, they're, they're, they're stuck in these machines. And, yeah. I mean, what do you do? Yeah. Look, we talk to people all the time on this show. They, they comment. They're saying, I can't just up and quit my job. I can't just leave. I have a family and things like that. Imagine working for CNN. Over the past yeah. four years, and you're like, what do I do? With the ratings going down, you're not finding a new job. They're doing layoffs. You're lucky to have work. No, nah, they're crying themselves to sleep. Well, another thing to really kind of think about here is that a lot of these uh, high-level people, a lot of these like top journalists, majority of them have major substance abuse problems. I remember once I got drunk with uh, the White House press corps at Bilderberg. And they could drink like fish. It was absolutely awe-stunning. And then when you look look at the inner workings, all of them are using one substance or another, whether it's big pharma, whether it's illicit substances. They're off getting high to the extent where they don't have to realize what they're doing because if they did, they would be absolutely mad with themselves. Because, I mean, look at the headlines. MSNBC had another headline today talking about how Thanksgiving is white people celebrating genocide <laughs> and violence against blacks. How does that make any logical sense at all? It doesn't. You know, CNN, MSNBC, all these people are literally regurgitating scripts that they're given, and the scripts are becoming more ridiculous by the day. So so to see them as drug addicts actually makes a lot of sense when you see what actions they're capable of doing and the atrocities that they're responsible for on the general public, in my opinion. I, I, I don't know who tweeted this out. I can't find it. But I'm pretty sure Rachel Maddow said the dossier was fun, was backed by Russia. Like, she finally came out and said... She said that? Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus i'm pretty sure i i saw a tweet from some from a verified Devin and i are going to go on our show make her say it again make her say it again yes. so maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong i'm be clear. I, I i haven't pulled it up or anything but i, I was scrolling through twitter and someone wow. posted a quote and it's like rachel maddow saying much of the dossier you know blah 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 was 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 you know was was uh, was created was it uh, sourced by uh, Chris, Christopher Steele or whatever? But yeah. it was actually coming from Russian sources or something like that. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, as the guy who ran the Russia Gate investigation, this one always you know rings true with me. We knew five years ago that the DNC and Hillary Clinton campaign paid for it, screwed up the FBI, 
perpetuated the biggest fraud. But for five years, this is everything we're talking about today in like, you know, in less than 30 seconds, the media just ran with it. They just ran with the false narrative. Even though we had the information we produced at the American public, they didn't want to review it. It's not that Rachel Maddow didn't have access to some of the facts. Right. She had access to Adam Schiff, the biggest, you know, clown in America, but they didn't want to put out what, the facts. What was the, what was it the New York Times said about Veritas? That their reputation is so bad, we can't <laughs> yeah. possibly harm it. But the, so basically what they're saying is, Let's, let's break down what they said in that regard. I, I, I could be wrong about that because I don't have the documents in front of me. I'm pretty sure New York Times said they're, they're, you know, un, indefamable or something. Right. Yeah, so libel the, proof. Right. What the media, what, what, what New York Times is basically saying there is because we're a gang and we can all beat you up at the same time, you can't blame me for swinging the crowbar because 10 people were already swinging it. It's like, uh, I understand that Snowflake doesn't blame itself for the avalanche, but, uh, yeah, we'll just sue everyone with the crowbars. You can't claim that because all of the media is smearing Veritas. You get to as well. To the uh, to the judge in that case's credit, and again, um, the reason they were going with libel proof is it would be uh, if the judge were to determine they were libel proof, then they would dismiss the case, and New York Times would be able to go after Project Veritas for their attorneys' fees. Um, to the judge's credit, he basically said exactly what you did. Yeah. They're only libel proof because you're citing each other. All of these news publications are just citing other news publications all saying the same thing with the same kind of basic source behind it that you guys don't like them. That doesn't make someone libel proof. If a whole bunch of people gang up on someone and say the same thing, that doesn't make you libel proof if the underlying thing isn't true. So uh, the, they got lucky with the, with the judge in that case. Occasionally, you get a judge who will actually go through, apply the law as uh, and apply some logic and reason with the law. And, uh, and this guy seems to have been doing it. So Yeah, uh, they are lucky. There was, there were some updates in the Veritas stuff. I think a court ordered the New York Times to stop publishing their privileged communications. Yep. And the New York Times said no. And then I think oh. the judge responded with, excuse me? Yeah. Like, I, I, I was, so th- this is, a, this is a really big part of the whole defamation process, what's happening with Veritas and like the, the defamation as a whole, that the New York Times is being sued by Veritas. They are given access to Veritas's privileged legal communications, which basically just interfered entirely with the, the court's process, with Veritas's process. And they did it with a smile on their faces. I have to imagine when the judge found out, he was probably like, yo, you're spitting on me now. Like, I got to deal with this stuff and you have access to their, you know what's going to happen if, if I rule on this? Veritas is going to file so many complaints that I'm going to get overruled on everything. I mean, what, what are your guys' thoughts on how the judge would react to someone again? their, you know. I mean, I, I had not heard about the privileged communication thing. How, how they, do you know how they got access it is, to it? It is, it is believed the FBI. Oh, okay. So sorry. I did hear about that. I did hear yeah. about that. My, my mistake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got, I got to imagine the judge was like fuming. There, there are very limited circumstances in which a judge can put a prior restraint on, on speech of a party. Um, and, and, you know, this would be one of those sort of situations. Look, you got access however you got it, to their privileged attorney-client communications. You should never have seen that. That stuff uh, should be privileged from everybody, including the FBI. And so now, no, you can't go out and, and start publishing it. It's not press-worthy. It's not newsworthy. You're just trying to gain an advantage over your lawsuit opponent. That's the time that this should happen. Um, if they keep it up, you know, the judge hopefully will resort to sanctions and, I mean, and heavy sanctions. Yeah, I mean, look, judges, uh, you know, the one whether they were appointed by a Republican, a Democrat, a liberal, whatever, it doesn't matter. The one thing they hate more than anything is getting reversed. 
It doesn't matter at what level or state, federal, county, local appeals court. They hate being told I got it wrong. And what this guy's doing is if I have to rule on this, like you said, Tim, he's going to issue all these rulings and then they're going to contest them. And he's afraid that they might actually some crazy appeals court might actually come down and say, actually, legal privilege communications in this instance are okay for whatever Mickey Mouse reason that the media trumpeted. So I think he's playing it pretty pretty good and pretty safe in that it, he's probably a, avoiding trying to issue an actual ruling that can be appealed, but he's trying to get the lawyers to get in line with the FBI and to support the privilege communication. Evil. And we, we Evil. saw this uh, with the Rittenhouse case, yeah. right? Bru- uh, Judge Schrader, he was so hesitant to issue a definitive ruling on yeah. anything, even on the evidentiary issues mm-hmm. pre-trial. He says, right. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to hold off on this with a, with a predisposition towards keeping them out. It's like that's that's not a ruling. Just just say this can't come in or this can come in, and we, then you can you can change your mind later. You're a judge; you can do that. But I think I think a lot of us are happy with some of the rulings from the, the judge in the Rittenhouse case. But his inability to issue a ruling on the fake evidence admitted by the prosecution has resulted in uh, I see it, this is what Antifa is putting out in in spades. They're they're po- posting news clips that say prosecutors showed video. They say is of Kyle Rittenhouse pointing a gun at activists. That's it. And now they're saying, now all the Antifa is going, Kyle Rittenhouse was waving a gun around, mm-hmm. threatening people. And when they tried to stop him, he killed him and the judge let him get away with it. The judge, if he if he had a stronger spine, I'll say he has some of a spine because he did dismiss the gun charge. He did do some rulings. He could have said, that's a computer generated image. Out. Sorry. Yeah. And, 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 let me know what you think. Because my argument was, the defense had no idea how to explain that the prosecution admitted CGI evidence. My, my thought process was the defense should have asked the expert, when was the image file created? And he would have said last week. So this image file was not created on August 25th, 2020. No, it was not. Your Honor, this image is not from the night in question. I rule it be, you know, inadmissible or something. That That's one way to go about it. The other way is simple. The, they had tons of evidentiary issues in this case. Um, normally, you have to have someone who will testify that the thing that you're looking at is an, a fair and accurate representation of the thing that happened. And the only guy that they had testify about this footage was a detective who looked at it on his iPhone. And, <laughs> and when you really factor in the fact that a capital murder case, the entire theory of the prosecution got blown out in the first half. That's why this footage came in and they had to change their entire strategy. And, and a kid's life in a capital murder case hangs on the idea that a detective who was not present that night pinched to zoom on an iPhone and thinks he saw something that he can't replicate because he didn't record that pinch to zoom. There's no way for the defense to look at it, challenge the authenticity of it, say that there's interpolation adding pixels. Um, they, they tried sort of to ham fist their way into that argument. Uh, but, but, it, but at the end of the day, what they needed to do was just say, your honor, there's no way anybody here can testify that the picture we're seeing now is a fair and accurate representation. It worked. The, uh, I, I, you know, I gotta be honest. I don't know if the prosecution actually cared about the end results that's going to, Im- the, the, the cultural impact. But then you get people posting these things. The Black Lives Matter supporter saying Rittenhouse was pointing a gun. Then you get people believing the latest attack was a retaliation. Mm-hmm. So we'll, let's throw, we'll bring it back to this Veritas thing. You, you mentioned this judge, uh, he's not like, he, he basically is not really try- wanting to rule on the fact that the New York Times has access to their legal documents, which in my opinion, I don't know how they can continue the court proceedings at that point. 
So the, the judge seems to be doing nothing. Is that the gist of it? Uh, I, I don't know what the judge has said about it. Um, I've just heard about the, uh, the disclosure by the, allegedly by the FBI, right. uh, to Project Veritas's enemies. With that being said, I mean, if the judge is not issuing a gag order on some of this stuff, then he's hesitant to try and restrain the press. And I think at this point. He, he well, he did. Uh, the judge said, stop publishing. Sure. Uh, Veritas's privileged communications. The New York Times said, no. <laughs> we have a First Amendment right to report the news. And uh, we have a story right here. It's from uh, today, actually. New York Times urges no prior restraint against Veritas coverage, uh, basically saying Veritas's claims do not implicate the kind of extraordinary public harms, which is national security, that American courts have suggested. Okay, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about the argument. Here, let's, let's get a little bit hypothetical then. My question is, you've got person A suing person B. Person B illegally obtains person A's communications with their lawyer as it pertains to this lawsuit. How could a judge issue? How, how could a judge handle that case? I mean, he's got to throw it I out. Mean, it, or what? It's just pr- it's straight up privilege. But here's the thing, right? There's unfortunately it's happened before when Bob Mueller was U.S. Attorney in Massachusetts. He actually had a criminal case where he uh, surveilled a client and their attorney's conversation and utilized it in the prosecution. Came back to bite him in the butt. Uh, in, a, in one of the biggest narco trafficking cases out of Florida, wow. same thing. The U.S. Attorney's Office obtained the communications between the defendant and his lawyer. And didn't disclose it. Now, in those criminal cases, it's a little different, right? There's a harsher penalty because due process is at stake. But the rule of law is the same. It's a privileged communication. All you need to ask New York Times is, if they're okay with this, then what Project Veritas should do is be like, fine, give us all of New York Times' privileged communications. Oh, and the judge could be like, yes. Yeah. And release it to the general public yeah. and make everyone see it. <laughs> I mean, that's what the New York Times is doing. Why not? Then wait, 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 wait. Yeah, go ahead. D- then yeah. we just see all the emails where they're like, don't cover Epstein. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that story, we got we to gotta make sure it doesn't go anywhere. Just like, of course, CBS News, like which Project Veritas exposed, was hiding a huge expose, which they had, according yep. to one of their reporters, they had yeah, you think I'm joking. Clinton and other presidents on. So, again, they were covering that story. But Vanity Fair had a very interesting take on this because, again, it's it's all about framing and the way that these people just frame stuff is just so disingenuous. They had an article that was titled Press Freedom Advocates Alarmed that Project Veritas just muzzled the New York Times. That's their understanding of the situation. And again, it's 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 so mind boggling to see this kind of like twisting and turning and manipulation the, of basic facts to push a narrative and an agenda. Here's the only good thing that comes of this if like you were saying earlier, you know, lawyers are expensive. These suits are expensive. But when you bring them and they're credible, they take one to two years. At the end of it, you actually get some really good rulings on what we call case law precedent if these cases survive. But what these guys try to do is drown them out. Like Veritas isn't going anywhere, right? Right. They, these guys are actually – if I was the Times' lawyers, I'd be like, you need to sit down and shut up because we might squeak out of this case. But you are going to mess up the future of defamation for defendants if you keep down this track because the judge will force – he can't – he might not issue now – or in a month or six months, but in a year, he's going to have to make some rulings, and those rulings will likely get appealed and then affirmed, and are, then it's law. Well, are ju- judges obligated to uh, stick to case law? Like if someone says in the they're case supposed of supposed to theoretically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're uh, they're they're supposed to call it, follow binding authority, and the idea is that uh, they'll get reversed. And and as Cash said earlier, uh, if they get reversed, that's the worst thing a judge wants to do. Um, there's not much practical effect for lifetime federal judges, but New York state judges aren't lifetime appointees. Um, and, and so there, there are, there could be real effects for, for them. But imagine just, just rolling it back. If this stands, if what New York Times is doing stands, 
What's to stop any news publication who ever gets sued from just illegally obtaining the privileged communications of their of their opponents and and publishing and shaming them? That's why this judge has to go ahead and issue the order. And if if New York Times doesn't like it, take it to the Supreme Court. Go ahead, appeal it up to the uh, to the New York Court of Appeals, and then appeal it to the United States Supreme Court. Call it a First Amendment issue, freedom of the press, if you want, and let them determine it. Because then, uh, you know, if we get that case law in the books, okay, fine. But at at the end of the day, uh, judges do have some limited ability to issue a gag order when there is sufficient justification. And I can't imagine how illegally obtaining your opponent's privileged communications and then trying to publish those pri- privileged communications <laughs> to shame them would not meet maybe, strict scrutiny. Maybe I'll get my lawyer in my defamation case against the Times <laughs> to file for the Times's uh, privileged communications and, and then say, send them out. And what's the Times' argument going to be? They're going to be like, uh, well, we previously argued I'm this like okay. this, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like, here's an article from the New York Times. Yeah. No, I have to. I have to imagine that when it comes to losing in court, it's when you directly try to affect the judge's powers and their ability to do their job. So it's like, you know, you go in front of judge a judge, and you're like, this guy kicked my dog, and the other guy is like, I didn't kick his dog, and it's like, here's a video of him kicking my dog. He owes me a hundred bucks. The judge is like, I am involved in this. Uh, I think the evidence stands, and the judge, you know, can issue a ruling or however it goes. Um, what what happens when you have someone saying, Your Honor, I'm going to attempt to directly interfere with your ability to rule on this because screw you, I should be allowed to do it. I feel like that's the fastest way to lose. There's just no world that I, I can imagine being in. And I've be, appeared in court probably 3,000 times that if I ever said that to a state court judge or a federal judge, the federal court judge would probably lock me up for contempt of court oh, wow. for being so arrogant. R- right? Remember when Krause- I mean, He'd just be like, what? Or she? <laughs> D- didn't Krauss talk back like several times in the Rittenhouse trial? Which is insane to me. Because and, like, don't pretty, get brazen with me. I know. I'm, I'm, pretty, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I was watching you guys when you guys were like, oh, whoa. Like, <laughs> don't talk back to a judge. Yeah. Are you nuts? Yeah, State it, court's a little different. I mean, you know, this is the one we talked about a couple weeks ago. The reason we get such a wide berth in the Rittenhouse case, state courts allow cameras. No federal right. court in America allows a camera, which is why you get those cartoon caricatures. So state court almost becomes movie-like. So you, there's a little more freedom. I mean, you're not supposed to talk back against a judge, period. I never did that. Um, but there's a little more freedom because they also get like a little – I mean, this guy's like one of the most famous judges in America right now. Oh, oh yeah, 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 and yeah. These these guys, uh, first of all, they're lawyers, so they have egos going in. <laughs> Second of all, they're given a robe that tells them they get to decide the fate of lives every single day and that their decisions have the force of government behind them. So you can imagine like just the audacity of telling the government no and the government having a mouthpiece with a with a human ego behind it to say <laughs> no, yes. I mean, it, so so basically the New York Times gets a hold of Veritas's lawyer communications about how they operate, what they're doing, while they're being sued by Veritas, which directly impacts their their, their the their lawsuit. Case. And the judge said, "Stop publishing this stuff." And New York Times said, "Shut up, judge." I can't. I, just, I, <laughs> I have to I mean, imagine it's like this you're is going to get lose. good. This is going to uh, get yeah. good. Sanction them. Sanction them and let them take it to the let them take it to the yeah. Supreme Court. Maybe they win. What would that happen? I mean, well, this is also on the heels on the FBI raiding James O'Keefe and his employees' uh, apartments, taking their cell phones away from them. Because uh, Cash, when you said I want my lawyers to do this, I was going to recommend you also get an intelligence agency to go after your enemy and <laughs> bust down their doors well, yeah, and take away their that. cell phones yeah. and take their communications that way, and then you could release it to the general public without even involving the judge. So, in the other yeah. instance, actually, I think my friend Harmeet was representing James O'Keefe and. In Veritas' case, she actually got that judge 
to issue a ruling and and stand down the communications yeah. going over. That's the right way to do it. That's what this judge should be doing. But for didn't, didn't he do that? I thought I thought Harmeet posted well, yeah, saying she, that the judge yeah, is... on that first ruling. I'm saying right, in terms right, right. of this privileged communication. Oh, it yeah, should yeah. be the same exact thing. Like there's there's not really a difference there in terms of the law. Like you can't one, you don't have access to that information. Two, you can't be putting it out if you don't have lawful access to it in the first place. And there's no difference. Evil people. You well, know, because it's like we, we can agree to disagree on a lot of things. But when you're like your fundamental rights are void because I'm a journalist, I'm like, nah, you're just evil. Like the idea that, OK, so when it comes to the United States, comes to the Constitution, comes to what we believe other people are afforded, they're afforded their legal defense, the right to due process. If you think we have a First Amendment right to take away your right to due process, I'm like, nah, that doesn't work that way. That would be like someone be like, I have a right to guns, so I'm going to rob people. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Basically, what they're doing. Yeah, uh, I I agree. It's it. it's uh, and and it's it's the arrogance, and I would say the death rattle of a lot of major media companies. Mm-hmm. We've seen we've seen competition growing. I mean, heck, this show is competition for mainstream media. They know it. They know about independent media and and how it's been changing the landscape over the past really mm-hmm. uh, decade or more. And and they're now lashing out and that's why that's why they hate Veritas, right? Because right. Veritas is started by a guy who goes out and does the things that media used to do. Yes. And they can't control the narrative. They can't stop someone like Project Veritas. They can, they can give them a roadblock here or there, but they can't do it. Yeah. Uh, and, and the more independent voices that come out, the more we're going to see this sort of, uh, retaliation. Let, let's talk about this. Uh, we got, uh, from CBS Denver. Denver attorney files civil action in Kyle Rittenhouse shooting. Now, before I actually read what it's about, I want to stress, I was browsing Reddit earlier. And there's a tweet from a guy, not even a link to the story. They don't even have the decency to actually post the link. They post a screenshot of a tweet, not even a link to the tweet. No decency to even put the tweet, post the tweet link. And the guy says, breaking news, the first civil lawsuits in the Rittenhouse trial have been filed. And all of the comments are saying things like, Kyle Rittenhouse is going to lose this lawsuit because civil lawsuits are easier to win than criminal cases. And it's just a wave of people being like, Kyle's going to lose, Kyle's going to lose. And then finally, like, you know, I'm down a, a, a hundred or so comments. I see one guy say, who's going to tell them they're suing the city and not Kyle Rittenhouse? <laughs> so the lawsuit, no one's, no one's, so far, they're not suing Kyle. The big money for anybody who wants to sue is in the city. And you know what? I agree. For the people, uh, so you've got what, like Jacob Blake's family. Mm-hmm. They're suing the police. Okay, I don't know about all that. The guy was grabbing a knife and fighting with the cops. That's a, that's an uphill battle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> say the very least. The legal term. But, but for the, the Anthony Huber... They're suing. I'm like, oh yeah, the police should have been out there stopping the riots. Yep. So yeah. if they're if they want to sue on that grounds, I mean, by that's all a means. tough one though. Like the cops should have been trying to stop the guy from doing what he was doing. That was the crime. No, 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 no. If the police were actually out stopping riots, there would have not been anything. And happening. if Huber hadn't been rioting, then there wouldn't have been a problem. Well, the Supreme that's Court, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Supreme Court ruled that police officers have no duty to protect and serve the the citizen. So that's also going to be something that's going to be leveraged here, I think, because, again, that's something that that was set as a president. I think Ian nailed it, actually. I mean, probably an uphill battle when they're like, we're suing you. And it's like, well, we maybe we should have been protecting you, but you were the one doing what what needed to protect people from. Yeah, right. Right now, uh, by by nature of being dead, I think Huber has the best lawsuit against the city. Not that that's saying he has a good chance. But Gage, who's alive, 
went on the stand and admitted that he lied in his civil lawsuits against the city by omitting the fact that he had a gun Yikes. with him that he that he yeah. brought that and and that's under oath he can never walk that statement back i mean they're trying to they're doing their little media apology tour that he started the next day after his testimony he's showing up on uh michael strahan's show and then going on uh some other show after he was that. on good morning good morning america his first show yeah, that he debuted on and they were yeah. treating him like a celebrity did, did they, like, did they ask him Cooper. when his perjury charges come in exactly <laughs> I, I was just gonna <laughs> ask I was just, with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I was going to ask no, you no. guys, is he going to face any charges? Oh, no. No, perjury. he's not going to get perjury because it'd be the Kenosha County it's Prosecutor's Office. Let me, uh, let, let, let me, tell me, you guys, you know, you're, you're a lawyer, you're a recovering lawyer. Tell me if, 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 if you think I'm, I'm on point here. I think some of this is obvious, but uh, here I'll speculate. Um, Gage Grosskreutz had a second DOI in January of 2021, I believe. It was six days before the Rittenhouse trial. It was dismissed mm -hmm. on a motion of the prosecution. Mm -hmm. uh, Gage Grosskreutz had a, uh, a signed, search a signed search warrant against him for his cell phone that the prosecutor told the police not to execute. Gage um, seems like, you know, he had this, he also had this 10, uh, uh, let me slow down. He did have, I believe it was a $10 million lawsuit. Was it against the city or the police? The city? Uh, I believe it was the city. The city. He had a $10 million lawsuit against the city over what happened. But then he testifies under oath, contradicting his own lawsuit, which clearly means he's going to lose. So it sounds to me like they went to him and said, you have two choices. You can plead the fifth, move forward with your lawsuit, maybe win 10 million bucks. And your second choice, enjoy that money while you're rotting in prison because we're going after you with the full weight of everything on your second DUI, on your gun charge. We're going to get you an attempted murder of Kyle Rittenhouse. And he probably said, I will do anything you say. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's an interesting thing with pleading the fifth. Um, you have an absolute right to plead the fifth in criminal court and it cannot be used against you. You cannot draw a negative inference from it. In fact, we saw that Binger just towing the line of mentioning uh, Kyle Rittenhouse's Fifth Amendment rights almost got the case entirely dismissed at that point in time. But when you plead the fifth in a, in a criminal suit or in a civil suit with pending criminal charges or anything like that, uh, the other party is allowed to draw a negative inference from the issue. So if I ask 
gauge the question, uh, you know, did you provoke this incident, incident? And he says, I plead the, you know, I plead the fifth. Or did you bring a gun to this? I plead the fifth. They're allowed to draw the negative inference that yes, he did bring the, the gun with him or yes, he did. The defense uh, can? Yeah, the, the, the other party of the civil lawsuit. Oh, it's not criminal. So, right. right. The criminal and the criminal lawsuit. Uh, it has to be ignored here. But when you have parallel suits, you've got this criminal case where he's a complaining witness. So he's basically a party along with the state. And then you have this civil case. If he pleads the fifth in that criminal case, then the civil case, the city gets oh, to use that against wow. him. And so he was, uh, the prosecutor may have made a deal like that. That's certainly possible. And I, I think Binger was out making tons of shady deals and, uh, and various threats to certain witnesses. Um, and, and just ignoring jump kick man entirely. Uh, and they oh, knew who he was. Right. The defense actually came out and said that was withheld from them. Yeah. Well, to be fair, when he went into the, the DA's office asking for a deal, they all looked up at the ceiling so they didn't know he was there. Yeah. You know, so right. that was fine. But, <laughs> but yeah, in, in that case, if he were to, uh, plead the fifth in his criminal lawsuit, it would basically tank his civil lawsuit because the city but gets from to a do prosecutor's it. perspective. Look, I did it too. You know, your flex is to go to other people and say, I'm going to prosecute. I would go in into a massive conspiracy and be like, here's 16 defendants. Who wants to chirp? Literally be like, wow. first one to me, go. Everybody else is going down because, but at that point I knew I had the evidence. I wasn't bluffing the case, right? Yeah. I was saying, I can use some assistance and I don't need to put 16 people away because you also know that like not everybody is as culpable as the next guy. There's different levels of it, right? Yeah. So from a prosecution's perspective, not everyone should go down for the same amount of time just because they were involved in the whole thing. So that's where you get some wiggle room. I think this prosecutor is crazy and probably just went in there, didn't have his case together and was just like walking the big walk and trying to say, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to pound my chest. I'm going to go on TV. I'm going to make the world's greatest case since OJ, except he, you know, I think, I think, uh, Kraus tampered with all the evidence. I don't know if you saw my Twitter thread about it. It's, it's, it's speculative to be completely fair, but I think it's speculative only in one key area. What do we know? The drone footage they admitted, which was their, their, their special key evidence that showed Kyle, they claimed to be pointing a weapon, which it didn't show, by the way. It was too blurry. It was nonsense. But it came in a weird format, 844. That was, that was the, it was, it was 1920 by 844, so it was cropped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone took footage that appeared on Tucker Carlson, cropped out the top, yeah. presumably from Tucker Carlson's show and removing the, uh, the Fox graphic. It was then further cropped and compressed, renamed and sent to the defense. I think you know this stuff. Kraus has a cropping software, Format Factory, and compression software, Handbrake, on his laptop. So here's, here's what I was, I was talking to this Antifa guy, and he said, yo, man, like, that's wildly speculative for you to be claiming that stuff. And I was like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Evidence that was given to the defense was cropped and compressed. The prosecutor who gave the evidence to them that way has cropping software, specifically for <laughs> cropping, and compression software, which is specifically, it, it's transcoding, but one was like, it does cropping and mixing, one does compression. So, look, I'll put it this way. If I see a person on the ground with a stab wound, and then I see a guy holding a bloody knife, okay, I'll admit, it is me speculating to say that guy with the knife stabbed the person on the ground. So they call but, being caught red-handed. But I also think it's yeah. fair to say the person with the, with the weapon in question that was used, presumably, this, a same kind of weapon to kill someone, and they're right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you agree with me on that one. Well, the, the thing making it even worse is uh, whether or not Kraus 
cropped the the footage and compressed it. One, it was idiotic of them to use a laptop that had anything other than uh, we saw it with the defense, right? In, in during the jury deliberations, they said we have a clean laptop. The only thing on it is VLC and the files that they need to view. That's it. There's there's nothing else. A sanitized laptop. And what what's a laptop that can play video cost? Three hundred bucks. You can go yeah. you can go to Target and buy one. Um, so you know that that's not a problem. Why the state had a laptop with that software on it, along with other evidence, is baffling. But the problem with it is that Krauss stood up and he said, I don't know anything about compression. I don't know anything about, you know, how you manipulate these video files. And then we see, because of their mistake of of having this stuff on this computer, we see it there. And it's like, look, I know about compression. I know about cropping video. I don't have handbrake. (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so someone who has it, you're like, okay, right. why do you, why do you have this if you don't know anything about it? And, and the state shouldn't be manipulating and cropping evidence anyway. They send it off to the crime lab to do that. Right. So it's extra nonsense. Why can't we, why, how come we don't have leaders who are willing to actually make a move? To do I'm that. talking about the judge here. Well, he, that's, he, that's he, what he, I was going to ask. He intimated putting the prosecution on the stand under oath. So this is what the I judge. I have done on the spot. This is well. Most judges don't do that. They can do that. This is what this judge should be doing. The trial's over, right? He can be issuing, uh, instituting contempt proceedings on his own. There's no defense and prosecution in that scenario. Every judge has this right. If he thinks, to to your point, if he thinks someone lied that appeared before him, that's a contempt proceeding against that person. The uh, NBC news reporter person that was chasing around the jury, right? Um, That, in my opinion, is one of the most egregious things you can do is intimidate a jury. That's an actual crime, but let's set aside the crime. What can the judge do? The judge can haul in that person and NBC news and say, who gave you that instruction to follow the jury? What was your instruction and what were you supposed to do? And if he lies, contempt of court. And the penalty for contempt of court is going to prison or he can fine you as much money as he wants to. He can say he should be doing that. He can, how how, long, contempt, how long can they send you to prison for? Is it jail or is it prison? I think it's up to a year. It's up to a year per count. Yeah. And then you can stack them. And but the, the, ju- and the, the judge money, just decrees it, right? Right. And the, the money, there's no real like limitation. I mean, you can't go wild, but you can find a company a lot of money for being held in contempt. That's the power that judges are supposed to wield to keep these people in check, especially when prosecutors lie to their face. But when there's an acquittal, this judge is probably, my guess, just going to be like, I'm not going to do anything anymore. When someone, where, where, where are the leaders? Well, that's the, it. Uh, there is no good when judge. When someone who gets hit for contempt, if they lie about the same thing over and over, do they get a contempt charge every time every they time say lie, a lie? You can. You can it's doable right that's what's supposed to happen when prosecutors bury or withhold exculpatory evidence evidence of you know innocence or doctor evidence the only remedy for that is not the state or the federal government bringing a case it's for the judge to come in and say i'm gonna hold you in contempt show me why i shouldn't and is the judge likely to say look rittenhouse is going home that's it. I got to yep. work with these guys. Look, I've been there. They're going to be there in my chambers again and yeah. again and again. If I start a conflict that can't be resolved, I'm making my job you worse. You nailed it. They, are, they don't want to deal with the headache. And I've caught prosecutors in massive narco trafficking cases burying evidence of innocence. I wow. waited a year and a half till I got to the first witness in trial and exposed it and got those cases thrown out. My next move was like, hey, judge, you want to issue contempt proceedings this person lied to you for 18 months and we just proved it and the case just got tossed. And every no. time they're like, well, uh, let's talk about it later. I got to work with the CUS attorney's office. I got to work yep. with the defense bar. You know, I when, don't want to be out there. When and, I got uh, uh, 
falsely arrested. I told you the story off air because I've said it on air too many times. But when I got falsely arrested when I was a teenager, I was told by the police the reason they – so uh, long story short, my brother and I got attacked, jumped, and beat up by security guards because of mistaken identity or something to that effect. When, the, when we talked to the cops, they said, look, you know, we know that you guys didn't do anything wrong now. Everything's been resolved. But we got to work with these guys. You know, they're a big part of the economy here in the small suburb. We get calls from them all the time. If we get into it with the security guys, it's going to be a nightmare for us. So we're going to let them get away with the attack on you. And enjoy, you know, I hope you enjoyed the, the eight months of your life you spent in and out of court and all the money you lost. That's how it works. No the, accountability. The state is friends with the state and the system. Well, you, one thing to remember uh, with, with these judges, and this is a problem with the system, is that they often work in the same – like in my town, they're, they're in effectively offices – are in the same building as the prosecutors. <laughs> um, and, and they're in, when they're not in their offices, they're just in court and they have these cattle call hearings. And so you're, you're sitting there with the, the prosecutor, they're, they're coworkers for five hours straight as they go through, right. uh, this, this big stack of files. Defense attorneys, you know, file in and out and some of yep. them get, get friendly. But, but the other issue that the judge can always fall back on is, well, um, yeah, uh, in this case, Kyle would have been prejudiced if he was found guilty, right. but he wasn't prejudiced because the jury came to the right conclusion. So since there's no harm, you know, it really doesn't look good to do it, uh, to go back and revisit this issue. And that's why I was on the same page with you. Uh, once he said, well, why don't we, we could put you guys on the stand, uh, under oath and get an expert in here. I'm like, yeah, do it, judge. Dismiss the jury. Take 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Th- dismiss the jury for the day, for a week, whatever you need, however long you need to get an expert. Let's put these prosecutors on the stand. Let's get them under oath talking about how they emailed it to their personal Gmail account from their .gov account mm-hmm. and then and then sent it when everything else was sent by Dropbox. You Let's give explanations. me 30 seconds on that laptop and I can tell you if he did it or not. 30 seconds. You pull up the log files mm-hmm. and you can see what they did like that. Yep. The, you, the, the, 10 minutes. 10 minutes to put him on the stand. Jerry can wait and have a bag of Doritos while they're waiting a little. Give, give him some pop. Give him some so, you know, Pepsi. Now, the other person that can do something with that is Kyle. Yep. Right. It, you know, putting aside the defamation stuff for, really? for one instance, because it's basically that case I would take if I were advising him, I would take that to federal court for a violation of his civil rights. Right. That's what happens when you have prosecutorial misconduct at the state or federal level. Your best bet is this, this whole thing that you see in the movies like, I'm going to sue you for Melissa's prosecution. That doesn't really exist. It's, a, it's like a really hard made to up, prove. Yeah. yeah, like one in a bazillion. But what you can do, I mean, suing for a violation of your civil rights is also very difficult, but it's very it's very real in this case. This guy, this kid was charged with capital murder and the prosecution doctored his evidence. That's pretty damn good. Now, what you'll have to prove in federal court is, hey, man, you won your trial. Well, okay, my life's now screwed up because of this, because I was labeled a domestic terrorist falsely, a terrorist falsely, a racist falsely, you know, member of the cake, whatever. He can, he's he got a good list to make that case. Well, and, and he's got uh, a bunch of uh, news news organizations yeah. dutifully reporting that he raised his gun and provoked uh, and provoked the attack and that the, the ruling is unjust because of that. So um, the, the news can kind of feed this in. And if he's got civil attorneys or if he's got... Pr- prospective civil attorneys um, who are thinking about things like this, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be capturing those yeah. things. It, and and it's it's not going to go against the news companies, but it's going to say, this is the result of the state infringing on my client's civil yeah, rights. Wow. And here's the damage that was done because now it's it's all over the major media that he provoked an attack that he never did. Yeah. And, and real quick, sorry, Luke, you can quantify damages 
from a media sense in terms of PR rec- uh, uh, rectification or whatever the word, right word would be. Basically, if they dedicate one minute in defaming you and you need to then pay one minute to counter that lie, it's very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, you guys were, if you guys were Kyle's lawyers, what would be your first step? Who would you go after first in, in this entire matter? The, the prosecutors, the media, the state? How would you, how would you navigate that, that field? Man. <laughs> well, what, whatever he's going to do is going to be tough. Yeah, um, yeah. At the end of the day, he won. And uh, we were talking about libel proof earlier. Part of the problem with the way we prosecute things is if any opinion out there is based on the prosecution itself, based on what's in the complaint, people are able to formulate reasonable opinions based on that. Now, uh, there are issues because a lot of the stuff that's being reported by some of these places never happened. For example, saying that Kyle shot three black men. That never happened. So that's not really a subject of the complaint. That's a way to attack. But I mean, for my, for my money, uh, I'm going after Krause and the county of Kenosha. Uh, and by extension, the state of Wisconsin, um, on the deprivation of civil rights. I think that's a, that's a great approach, um, to take. And then, uh, for defamation, it's going to be based on individual news publications and what they've said. And wasn't it the Guardian the other day that said he shot three black guys? The then? Independent. The Independent. Uh, so that's going to be tough because that's in the UK. Uh, so that uh, I unless believe, they have a U.S. I, office, I believe they do have a U.S. office. Okay, so you might be able to go after them, but you're really going to have to do very careful sifting, as we saw with Sandman. Right? Uh, they had something like 57 statements, and only three went through because almost all of them are opinion. Anything that says Kyle's a white supremacist, that he's a racist, uh, that he was racially motivated, those are going to probably be opinion statements. But and they all said he crossed state lines with a gun. That's I, a statement of fact, right? So right. That's 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 a on its face a def- defamatory statement then the next thing so Kyle's Kyle's a little bit of a different um he's differently situated than almost anyone else would be right the second he got arrested this case went global right so what they will argue is not against the defamation they will argue that Kyle's a public figure right so once you become a public figure man that defamation hurdle is huge it is you, in order to show damages, you have to satisfy this bar that's almost impossible to satisfy. Even if you prove Kyle did not cross state lines with a gun, Kyle did not shoot three black men, Kyle is not a domestic terrorist, he's not a racist or a member of whatever. That's the, what I would recommend to Kyle and his crew is that I would write an open letter to the Department of Justice for them to initiate a federal civil rights investigation of the Kenosha County Prosecutor's Office and the police that investigated this case. Because they have done that repeatedly in the past when there has been racial unrest and cities were burning. That's DOJ's biggest civil law. Yeah, I think the DOJ is more likely to go after Kyle. No, I agree. I would just make this – I would do that as part of a sort of a grander media strategy to be like, we asked the department to come in and do X. They said no. Now I have my rights under defamation and this and that and what other options he's choosing. Do you guys think the Tucker Carlson documentary complicates this because it kind of paints him as a public figure? Always. Look, whenever you're making statements – like you never hear me talking about my defamation cases except to say the pleadings are public. The instance is there. They lied about this meeting. That's all I say. If you give an interview on that, these lawyers are going to go in there and just tear you apart and use that in pleadings. Yeah, because Tucker Carlson was filming a documentary on Kyle during the entire court proceeding. (laughs) Which I agree with Kyle's defense lawyer. I would have been like, no way. No, thank you. You're out. You, You cannot, cannot be here. But it's Kyle's choice at the end of the day. Yeah, if it's Kyle's choice at the end of the day. (laughs) It might be someone else's choice. Uh, We don't really know. But I'm really glad you mentioned the 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 media, the grander media strategy, because um, we're talking about how hard these cases are to win. 
that doesn't mean that a defamation case can't be valuable. Yes. Whether whether you win or not, you know, Kyle's got this big dilemma. He's 18 years old and he's facing a life where his name will forever be tainted by what happened to him. And uh, that's really unfair. But a defamation case can be a way to launch himself into uh, if he wants to embrace a media spotlight, he mm-hmm. can become a spokesman, a spokesman against stuff. And, and a defamation case is a way to do that. Talk about the, the broken pr- uh, prosecution system. Talk about the fact that media can run roughshod over people, raise a lot of money doing it, mm-hmm. get some sponsorships behind him and, and become a media figure in the way that, uh, you know, some of the Parkland kids have done. Um, yeah. You know, they, they've taken that, you know, right. obviously different uh, side of the political spectrum, but there, there is a way to make a career out of that when otherwise his career's prospects got chopped down considerably from the average 18 year old. Well, kid. Let, let, let me ask you in, if, if, if you're a public figure or involuntary public figure, I think is what they call this, the Covington kids, then the standard would be actual malice or gross negligence regarding the facts, right? It's it's actual malice is yeah, for for any public figure. So, mm-hmm. but, either, but it, it doesn't it also include gross negligence? No, no that's no. different. Really, it's like actual malice, gross negligence. Really, yeah. I th- I thought Intense even if you're a public like figure, that culpable, like your intent. It's your intent. So you so even though if you watch the trial for even ten minutes, mm-hmm. even though, even though you could look at any of the filings, when they lie about when they say he ca- crossed state lines with a gun. Right now, even though Dominic Black is currently in, in, in being prosecuted literally for giving the gun to, to, to Kyle in Wisconsin, that's not actionable. So the, the actual malice standard from a journalistic perspective is that the journalist – and this is, this is so frustrating. The journalistic out, uh, outlet has to have a standard that they would typically do to conduct research and they have to fail to meet that standard. That's the gross negligence I think you're talking oh, about. Okay. Right. Is is that they still that's how you show actual malice is if they have a standard and then they fail to meet the research standards that they would otherwise do. Okay. Right. Okay. So I will tell you this. Then if Kyle Rittenhouse files a loss, he, he absolutely should sue every single one of these outlets because I will love it when they're like, our standard doesn't include using Google. We, we, we don't take 10 seconds to Google search any Amazing. of these things. We just say them because we made them up. But here's the, here's the kicker. This I'll be is, happy. This is part of the reason I'm out there like raising all this money for people's defamations lawsuits. It's not just – yes, there's insane amount of value in bringing cases that have some merit. And, right. But you, like you said, the biggest obstacle is money. So I'll, you know, we'll take care of that and fight with cash. We'll pay for your lawyers and we'll review your case for free. But the other kicker in bringing defamation suits, if you bring them in the right state courts – it's that they have to divulge once you get past this like mid trial phase called summary judgment. They, the defense has to disclose their sources to this plaintiff. Really? Why is that important? Because then you're, because what the judge has decided is, well, this case has enough fact issue to go to a jury. I, the judge, am out of ruling on that. Now here we go. Discovery. And oh, by the way, you don't want to settle you, the defense, like in Virginia state law, which is where all my cases are being brought. They have to, once we get past summary judgment, tell me, who is the sources of your stories? And if they fail to do that, it's a default judgment. What if they lie or well, only I mean, give you a few? I guess, I guess they could. That's yeah. always possible. But I think that's why what, it's what, also worth So if, if they say we will not reveal our sources, it's a default judgment? You win. Wow. 
That's why uh, Devin Nunes brings a lot of cases in Virginia, right? Yeah, so Devin and I, uh, De- dear friend, my former boss, he actually had a huge win in federal court, um, in the appellate court uh, about a month ago. And um, yeah, we bring, uh, we're, we just bring cases to clear our names. You know, Devin's a little different. He's like the public figure of public figures after right. Russiagate. But he's doing it for the reasons we're talking about. Yes, he was defamed. Yes, they attacked his 90-year-old grandmother, huh. right? And he realizes the bar is very high. But what happens is we're trying to correct the media. And the yeah. way you do that is you issue a monetary judgment against them. The other way you do that is you take them to federal court, get past summary judgment, and get their sources and tell the world. Yeah, uh, that that's the – That hurts. That's one of the, the strategies. When someone lies against you, you, you have two options, money or the truth yeah. or both. I mean hopefully you get both. Yeah. But, uh, but a lot of people will lose a defamation suit, but uh, they'll lose the judgment – but uh, people will get the option of seeing, oh, there's another side of this story. And those stories will consequently get a lot of media coverage because the initial story got a lot of media coverage. And that can have a ton of value in itself mm-hmm. to rehabilitate, to at least tell, hey, at least the people who don't hate me, you know what? I didn't do any of this stuff that they're saying. They're lying about me. You know they're lying about me. And, and that can have a lot of value too. The problem right now is if CNN came out and said, you know, uh, Ricada – hates chocolate ice cream some you know it's true and no no no, but let's say it's not true let's say it's not true anybody who likes cnn well maybe you're not a good example let's say trump let's say cnn comes out and says trump reported uh trump hates chocolate ice cream chocolate ice cream according to those familiar with his thinking as they you know that that ridiculous line they like to use anybody who likes trump is going to say they're lying and then Trump will be like, it's not true. I love chocolate ice cream. And then anybody who hates Trump is going to believe CNN. Right. Right. So it's like there's almost no point even go- bothering except for monetary damages. It, it depends. Uh, it depends on the polarization of the figure. I mean, Trump is an extremely polarized figure, more than probably anyone else on earth, right? Um, but for, uh, for Devin Nunes, you know, for someone who's maybe um, 75% of the way, to Trump's level of polarization, uh, I, I think there's value there. I, I really do. With Kyle, I guess Kyle's too polarizing, Kyle Renaus. I don't think no, so personally. I, 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 yeah, his personality you. is kind of unknown. It's more about the media's portrayal of I mean, him at the he, moment. They're calling he, for his death. He just came Twitter. out and said he supports Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Right? He, he also said to. he's he's sick of mm-hmm. the left and right using his case in order to push their political agenda. So he's coming out and making a lot of statements which uh, are shocking and surprising a lot of people, including people on the right. And those statements yeah, are the well, ones that actually carry weight in court. And when you get when you get rulings, that's when people start paying attention. You're never going to get his message that, of that message of saying I'm on the left and the right or I'm in the middle out there unless you actually get rulings in court. And that's why he's got to bring those cases. It's it's a mistake for Kyle Rittenhouse to come out and say that he's supporting Black Lives Matter or criticizing one side over the other. Probably should just avoid the polarization subject altogether. Yep. Totally. But yeah. I'll put it this way. One of the problems I see with, I guess we'd call it the right, was it one of the jurors, this was going around, um, when asked uh, in jury selection, he said he wouldn't be a good juror. He wouldn't be fair because he, he's pro-2A and he supports gun rights. Was that, that, was a, that was a big thing, right? And that's, that right there is like, I agree with our constitutional rights. So I shouldn't be involved in this because <laughs> only people who don't agree yeah, with, with, with Kyle's rights should be judging him. Yeah, the, there's a there's this weird proclivity of people who are honest to be honest to the fault of themselves. Um, no one is going to be able to remove every bit of bias 
from from their decision making. Uh, anybody who goes into a jury, the person I trust least is a person who's like, oh yeah, I can ignore all of my biases when making this jury decision. You're out. Um, out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everybody's got some biases. The question is, can you can you reasonably make decisions? And a lot of people do that every day. Um, the real issue with that is when you've got a criminal case, the person who says, oh, man, I, I don't know if I could be impartial in this. That's the guy who's going to be the not guilty vote, right? Like that's never going to be the guilty vote if the guy's like, I hate this guy. He's not going to go. Oh, I, 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 you know, I, I just can't be partial on or impartial on this. I'm going to stay on the, or I, I need to leave the jury. No, if if you if you hate the defendant, then you're going to want to be on that jury. And most judges look the, the the job of the prosecution defense when you're doing jury selection is to strike people you don't like or you think you don't like, or there's a possibility of you not liking them. What happens though, 99 percent of the times, is you get someone to say, Yeah, you know what, I'm not going to be uh, fair in this case because of my pro two a position. The judge jumps in and says. Well, actually, you know, remind me, I'll, I'll remind you, this is jury service. It's a constitutional right. Goes through a litany of legal things and then basically asks them again, are you sure you can't set that aside? We're not asking you not to be pro 2A. Well, Just well, said, are, are you sure you can't set it aside and be well, impartial? Set it aside. The judge should say, uh, just to point out, the Second Amendment is a constitutional right. right. If He'll- you're saying that you are opposed to constitutional rights, then perhaps I understand your argument. You're being too pragmatic. <laughs> Judge, I, I would the, be the, I'd be a crazy judge. The judges judge. want see what the judges don't want to do is dismiss everyone because you could pretty much dismiss ninety five percent of all jurors in any trial at any given time yeah. if you didn't if you didn't apply that standard then there would be no jury trials ever. So the judge's job is to be like we got to really keep these people in in the box. When and and despite all of the the crap that Schrader got from the media about being oh pro you know pro Kyle or whatever. In that jury selection, one of the people stood up and said, I just don't believe that anybody should have a machine gun. And the judge took the time to say, well, just so you know, like, there's no allegation that anyone in this case had a machine gun. This is a semi-automatic, right? And he takes this really painstaking process to go through and explain uh, that this was not a machine gun. It's not fully automatic. It's one trigger pull, one thing. It's perfectly generally legal firearm that's, you know, and, and he did take pains yeah. to do that. And and that is someone who was likely going to be opposed to, to Kyle Rittenhouse. Was that juror selected? I don't know. At the end of the day, That'd I don't. I don't remember. But it was it was early on in that jury selection process, and that was kind of a slog. I I don't I don't think I could ever be uh, on a grand jury or a jury. I just outright be like I am heavily biased against the state, and there is literally <laughs> nothing that's ever going to change my mind. Okay, I'll they, tell you this: they might accept your word on that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, just, we, we we were talking with Michael Malice on the show. And he was telling the story that he it's, it's I think it's mostly um, fictionalized for legal purposes. But he basically said to a uh, prosecutor in a grand jury, I'm an anarchist and I will not return an indictment. And he was like, well, too bad. You're on the grand jury. And so he convinced everybody to return no indictment. And the prosecutor was like, what? <laughs> what just happened? And it's like, do you let an anarchist on a grand jury? They're going to take charge. Here's what we would do with guys like that. Right. We The judge would call us up sidebar and be like, we're not going to pick this guy. He's going to be the alternate. I'm going to make him sit here for two months. <laughs> and, we did, and, and it's the judge's call. And I'd be, be, be completely honest. If I got jury duty, I'd go there and be like, I would absolutely love to be involved in this process. I love the idea of jury duty and civic duty. And I am also heavily biased against the state. I'm just being completely honest. I would love to weigh all the evidence. And if you were fair and honest, I would make a fair and honest assessment. But keep in mind, I don't trust the state. Do you have a do you have a duty to inform the judge or anyone picking you that you believe in jury nullification yes. that you believe you have to tell them if you believe in that idea 
even if you're not well, out, sure, it, notification is just literally illegal. So, okay. like, as a defense attorney, as a public defender, I wanted to argue jury nullification. Like, look at my poor client. You know, yeah. He's just yeah, yeah, yeah. the state versus, you know, this penniless pauper. You can't do that. There's crafty ways to get around that. But the other thing about jury selection is about 80% of your reversals come from improper jury selection. This is why judges wow. are so guarded against it because they want to make sure it's the racial thing. It's called Batson challenges or whatever. Like you can't every, – every juror has a racial profile under the law and you can't strike one just for some race decision. And a lot of reversals come because the defense and the prosecution don't do enough to, to, to what we call state the record of what the case actually is, and the judge screws up, and that's where a lot of reversals come in. What, uh, this is the, the first guy, I've heard that jury null, nullification is illegal. What's the history of that? I thought it was totally legal. No, you can't. What the, the the premise is, you have to be able to argue the facts that are presented in the case, right? And the facts that are presented in the case as to whatever the charge is. You can't go in there and be like, um, this guy has had the worst life in human history. This is why you should acquit him of murder. Because yeah. he's just, you know, has had the worst luck, has been stabbed, has been, you know, shot at, his, his mother died. That's why you should acquit him. You can't say that. You can say you should acquit him because he's had a rough life, but in the instance of the murder thing, he actually didn't do it. Yeah. What, if, what, if, what if it's like a drug charge and you don't believe in the, in the law? Like you don't believe the law should have been implied well, here because well. you don't believe in victimless crimes and, and you don't think this should be used on him. So that's why you want to nullify this by voting as a juror and, and saying this, this shouldn't be applied here. Then, then what should happen is the, the state should be very careful in what questions that they ask the jury on voir dire. And if they don't ask you those questions, then you don't have to answer those questions, but you keep it to yourself. You don't stand up and say, I believe in jury nullification. If you're going to go nullify a jury, and by the way, I fully 100% support jury nullification. <laughs> this show is brought thing. to you by jury nullification. <laughs> no, uh, I, I 100% support it. If, if you believe a law is unjust and yeah. you are on a jury for it, then you have that right. But you yeah. cannot stand up and tell the judge and the prosecutor and the defense attorney that you're going to do it. Defense attorneys can't argue for it. And, uh, and if they do, that's one of the, the few ways that a defense can get a mistrial, um, and, yeah. and a redo at it. So, oh, so wait, wait, wait. If I didn't you, know that. What would happen if you were on the jury? Like you got on the jury, you were selected. And then when you were walking one day, you said, I'm going to nullify the, I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, they'll dismiss, they'll just dismiss you. Yeah. Yeah. They'll dismiss you as a juror. Same, same really? thing they had with There's the guy. There's one who, way to get out of it, huh? Yeah. Uh, getting out of jury duty is really easy. What you do is you go to the bailiff and you tell a racial joke. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, that's actually what happened to one of the jurors. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the Kyle Rittenhouse case. But it's also important to know that a lot of people who were charged under very heavily, uh, heavy drug charges, under very heavy crimes, were many times allowed to let go because of jury nullification. Because people said, hey, this is uh, obscene that this man was using this substance for, let's just say, medicine. But there's been so many different cases. And then the jury said, there's no way I agree with this morally. I'm going to impose jury nullification. I don't know if they announced it or didn't yeah. announce it, but I also heard of cases of people being arrested outside of court courthouses because they were advocating for jury nullification. I also saw videos about that. So is, is that what you meant, cash, by, by it being illegal or? No, it's at, no, don't get me wrong. It is illegal for a defense attorney to go in there and argue jury nullification. It's unlawful. The defense, yeah. You cannot do that. But as a citizen, as, as a, a juror, citizen, I could practice let's jury nullification. Let's live in the real world. Yeah. If you have a jury and they feel, but look, I would try cases all the time and be like I would the way you beat the cops is you put the cops on trial and make the jury feel worse for your client 
than law enforcement. You're playing to jury nullification by trying to address facts that show that. And juries are going to be hip to that, and they, they can make that ruling on their own. You just can't openly argue for it. You can pitch it, and of course, juries do that all the time. So you could you could say something like you could say, you know, a, a guy was arrested with CBD, and they're arguing it's a illegal drug, which is completely unfair. Here's the facts. So even though technically the state is correct, the jury is probably going to be like, yeah. But you can't tell them that you they have they yeah, can do that. Exactly. Yeah. You can't yeah. say it, and you can't. It's you're you're on a, a pretty thin line because a, a smart prosecutor will jump up. And be like, that's jury nullification, and the judge will come down on you. Yeah, but as a citizen, a lot of people you don't do even know what it means. Yeah. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. even don't even understand what jury nullification is or victimless crimes. So I think you know, talking about it and and spreading this kind of word, letting people know that the average citizen, if they participate in our court proceedings, have a right to throw down unjust laws. I mean, that's a big well, power. Well, a, a judge will tell you no, that's yeah. unlawful. He'll listen. Instruction will be it's unlawful. If they decide to do it, what are they going to do, right? Like, how yeah. are they going yeah, to... I mean, to be, to be honest, the, the judge says, if you believe the state has proven, you know, these things matter reasonable doubt. So you can just be like, I didn't believe them. Yeah. You yeah. didn't meet the bar. Oh, okay. Yep. And that, that's the way. But, but it's, remember that when you're, when you're under voir dire, you're under oath, and you are required to answer those questions truthfully under penalty of perjury. And so, you know, it, it's really up to the state to craft their questions to try and eliminate things like jury nullification. And that's why... Um, that's, that's why you saw, uh, in fact, some of these, uh, race-based dismissals, uh, cropping up is because, you know, in, in the South, for example, during Jim Crow, you might have a white defendant and a black victim and you would have a, uh, jury that they would try and strike any black jurors from that jury because mm-hmm. they would want a jury nullification even if the facts mi- mixed up based on race. So jury nullification, it can be used in an inappropriate way. It has in the past, but now we tend to think of it as more of a liberty-minded position attacking things like victimless crimes. And, and that frankly lies at the feet of things like mandatory minimum sentences when, when you've got people who have like four marijuana plants going a mandatory minimum of 20 years in a federal prison Someone goes, that's not really justified when when a Joseph Rosenbaum gets out in eight. Yeah, but people don't know this. You know, they, right. they, they sit on a jury and the judge says, it doesn't matter what your opinion is on the law. It matters why I instruct you. And they say, okay, yeah. I'll lock the guy up. That's what, what, what Malice was telling us. He said, you know, do you really want this kid's life to be completely ruined? Do you want to be the people? You'll have this on your conscience for the rest of your life that you destroyed this person's life over what, a substance or something? And then people were like, yeah, I don't want to. That, my, my attitude on this is the, the reason why I would almost pro- – like if I was on a grand jury, I'd almost never indict is because I, I'm, I'm not the judge over other people. Sorry. Like I can, I can certainly have my opinions and be judgmental. But like to actually tell me we are going to grant you partial power along with this other group to condemn a person to either pr- a court proceeding, which is arduous and difficult, or as a, a jury itself – to jail, prison, or death, I'd be like, eh. <laughs> but that's why <laughs> grand juries. That's it. why grand juries are so big, right? Yeah. That's why there's like you know, 32 members of a grand jury. The preponderance of the evidence standard is 51 percent, 49 percent. Not you know, did he maybe do it versus did he not do it? And also, you only need like 17 of the 32. I forget the exact breakdown. So, and you put me on a grand jury over property crime or possession or anything like that, and I'm going to be like, thumbs yeah. down. Sorry. But I mean, and, and I, and obviously I'm, I'm, I think crime is bad, property crime and stuff. If, if it's like victimless stuff, like literally someone chilling in their house, minding their own business with some, some weird thing, you know, that they're not supposed to, the government says you're not allowed to have, I'd be like, nah, government's wrong. What if they're playing videos from facial abuse on a big screen outside in the front lawn? What, do, what would you do then? 
They're, they're doing what? Playing videos from facial abuse on a big screen. Facial? Never mind. We probably shouldn't get into it. You're, if, you're if, I'll, I'll put it this way. If, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, don't worry about it. But I'll, 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 I don't know if it was, it was like a, it was like a esoteric joke. I no, or? it's 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 like a a, a a violent pornographic website. Right, right, right. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Um, uh, I think that's a civil issue. Yeah, I, there honestly, you go. I think I think you can potentially argue like minor disorderly or something or disturbing the peace, which I really am not a fan of as a law because like, dude, tell me what I did wrong, cop. Uh, you know. Like, like I was telling that story, I, the, the cop claimed that I, because I was yelling nine, call 911, I was being disorderly. I'm not kidding. <laughs> they were like, he was yelling. And I was like, I was yelling, call the police. Like, and they're like, we don't care. So you I didn't want to do our jobs. So look, you know, if, if you've got a person who's projecting, you know, really inappropriate stuff, I don't believe in obscenity laws. Uh, uh, I think George Carlin was right when he went out and started, you know, said the seven words you can't say on TV. And if the neighbor's got a problem with it, I think you've got a civil issue where the neighbors can maybe take up some kind of civil complaint. Um, and maybe this is resolved. I, I don't think it's criminal. You know what I mean? Wait, yeah. if a guy's putting video of himself naked out? No, 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 no. If, if, if somebody was projecting on their own home inappropriate. Oh, I thought it was out front in their yard. Yes. So, like, on the front of their house, they're, they're showing inappropriate things. Like on your garage. It's That's what I do. I Exposing yourself in public kind no, of Ian, laws, right? I'm just talking about general, what's considered Nudity? obscene. You don't need to talk about and get into specifics because we're trying to be family friendly. The point is... How can you not object to that stuff, though? I, I, I do. Oh. And I think it's a civil issue, not a criminal issue. I don't think the police should come and arrest a guy because he was making a statement. It depends the, on the, who he's making. When, when the police too. are allowed to be like, "This is obscene," they'll say your politics are obscene too. So if someone's like, "I believe in these things," and I'm gonna, I think people, there's nudists. This is a political view on on clothing and the rights of individuals. And there are women who walk around naked in New York City, and are, I, I'm sorry, not naked, topless, because in New York City they're allowed to. So if somebody wants to make a statement about what they deem is socially acceptable or not, and it's a public statement. I would argue it's a civil issue, and there's potentially disturbing the peace there, but I probably would well, not indict. There's that entire uh, feminist movement, right? Femen. Uh, that's yeah. what they do. They're, they're topless, and oh. they paint— uh... No, 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 no. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's go ahead. It's well beyond them being topless. <laughs> okay, I, I haven't checked in on it lately. <laughs> they, they, the stuff—I I was in Ukraine, and the things I was told about the stuff they do is, like, hardcore, overt, and I can't say it. Wow. Did you see the, uh, but have you ever seen my favorite Feeman clip is when the one runs at Putin and he gives her the thumbs up right before she gets tackled? <laughs> I would not indict. I wouldn't indict. Look. My dad's pretty funny. If it involves kids, if someone's doing something, you know, wrong with kids, I'll be like, consenting adults, I, contending adults can do what they want to do, man. Right. Leave that, me out of that business. That's where I get if someone's projecting it on their house and my son is in his room looking out the window at it. I'm like, well, now we got a problem and it well, might be criminal. Uh, no, uh, you go and you close his window and say, son, don't look outside. Or if he's sitting in the front yard. You come inside. I'm, why would I let him put me out? No, no, you can't, you can't. What do you mean he put you out? If he's going to force me to hide my son indoors and bar the windows. What do you, but well, see, that, he's going that's too a, far. But that's a civil matter. It's it's uh it's a public it's a it's a nuisance. Uh, it's it's not a trespass because they're not physically intruding on your pro- property. But uh, we have a whole uh, tort called a uh, nuisance, and and it's when you interfere with the quiet enjoyment of someone's property. That's a that's a civil tort. So that exists out there. It's it's for this exact same thing. If you have like an offensive smell, uh, say a, someone buys a property next to you and puts in a pig farm 
or whatever, <laughs> right? And, no, and, it happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and so or or they put up bees, right? Like they put up bees, and the bees are coming in and, and stinging your kids or something like that. Uh, you you have uh, you have different ways to deal with this civilly. I think I I fully agree with Tim on but, this. But but I would say, yeah. Ian, like your perspective is overtly authoritarian. Well, I'm talking about like porn. If it's like doesn't matter, grotesque. It starts porn with that, but on, then where does it go after that? If it's cursing, porn. well, hold yeah. on. If if the video is depicting <laughs> illegal activities. Well, there's a, then, then I think there's a question about what they're showing. Well, if it's 18 right. and over activities? Actually, that's a good point. That might be criminal. Showing uh, 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 adult content that requires you to be above, over 18 might publicly be crime, yeah. Might, yeah, might be crime. Yeah. Could be. That was the first thing Could I be. thought of yeah. when we were talking about earlier. And you, so you have to have – you have to have – you actually – the city would actually have to have a law that states that showing this type of stuff, you know, the public display of these images right. is is uh, not allowed. And Ooh, some tough. of – some of those get struck down as being overbroad. And even if you're right. prosecuted for them and they, they've been on the books, you have an overbreath uh, case there, there. There are federal pornography statutes on the books that basically say if you if you show the wrong audience, and I forget what the wrong audience is off the top kids. of my head, but basically think, right. kids of a certain age, X, or it's shown to X number of people, you can get into a federal crime. So I'm, a smart prosecutor would or a savvy one would be like, you might just be showing it on your house. But there's probably like a thousand people coming by seeing it, so you can yeah. basically be in what's called the distribution business. So yeah, you so, get them on the uh, you get they, them on the violation of the broadcast rights. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. but but there, a lot there, a lot I rep as a public defender, I had to represent a lot of people charged with some pretty nasty sex crimes. Oof. One of them was dis- uh, distribution of pornography, and there there's not just like distribution of pornography isn't sending someone playboys. It can happen in a variety of ways, like live audiences just. Giving somebody a memory stick and being like, yo, put so this in. A better example would be they were showing uh, – if they projected video of a, a, a cow uh, a slaughtery or something. Mm. You know, So you're actually seeing videos of the cows get mounted up and have their throat yeah. slit or whatever. And it's just you know, blood spilling out and stuff. So the issue there is – this is really interesting. Um, when I was doing hostile environment training, they showed a video of a pig femoral artery bleed. Oh, Ooh, on purpose. That's a lot of blood. A guy just flopped to the floor past that. So um, bleeds in some people trigger a response. I forgot. There's a nerve. Vagal response. What is it? Vagal response. It might be, can make uh, you pass out. And so basically, yeah. out of out of this, you know, 40 people in the room, one guy saw the video and just flopped to the ground. Blood pressure dropped. He went unconscious. So the instructor came and lifted his legs up to put the blood pressure back into yep. his head, and then he immediately tries getting up. And the guy screamed at him, "Don't move! Don't get up!" And the guy was like, "I'm fine." He goes, "No, you're not. You're only conscious because I'm holding your legs up." Mm-hmm. But so that's an interesting question. If that, uh, if, if it is known among these like hostile, uh, this is, these are like special forces guys. If it is known among them that you can trigger a reaction to people, which can be serious and medically uh, problematic by showing a video, uh, maybe, it, maybe it's flashes and someone could be epileptic. Now we're talking about potential criminal att- intent to do harm to others. Well, that's uh, what happened to Eichenwald, right? The, right. the people are tweeting at Kurt Eichenwald the, uh, the flashing images. And uh, and he's he up. allegedly had an epileptic seizure response to it, or he's just epileptic. Huh. Yeah. So he said it was an attempt you know, on my life or something like that, and they charged the guy. Yeah, they uh, the the Texas court 
I would say strained the uh, the federal battery statutes <laughs> or the uh, yeah because it was a federal crime uh, the federal battery statutes on that one by saying that the photons from the the thing hitting his eyes because that that was intended for those lasers where right, we're right. actually directing a beam into someone's eyes for the intent of injury in my opinion but uh, yeah that that was wild also Kurt Eichenwald is a weirdo <laughs> yes he is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Well, that's 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 him, and uh, for all uh, we'll just we'll leave him to his yes. vices, yeah. I suppose, him and his family. Uh, well, let's go to super chats. If you haven't already, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and go to timcast.com, become a member. We are gonna. Oh, Luke, Luke just get in front of the camera, not even paying attention. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no regard, Luke. See his big old face. Starring loose head. Go to, yeah, go to timcast.com, become a member. We're gonna have a members only segment coming up, and we're gonna talk a lot about some of the darker stuff in the in the Rittenhouse case for sure. And, and and the law, like we already started getting into some dark territory right there, but we'll we're gonna we're gonna talk we're we're gonna talk about some stuff that's probably not family friendly in the member section. Become a member, but let's read some super chats. All right, let's see. Jordan Jones says, Rakeda Law, how tall is Tim? Is he a socialist five eight or a normal normal five eight? <laughs> also, Kermit or Wisconsin, voice your intro. Uh oh, okay. Uh hi, I'm uh Nick Rakeda of Rakeda Law. Small law firm in uh, central Wisconsin, and uh, thanks for thanks for watching, Your Honor. Can you say, "Don't you know"? Don't you know? <laughs> yes. Donut, donut, donut. Uh, you know, the, you know what the funniest thing is when I meet people. I meet a lot of people. They either think they go, "Wow, I thought you were going to be shorter," or they say, "Wow, you're a lot." Uh, no, they say, "I thought." They either think I'm really tall or I think I'm really short. Yeah. That's the way I, that's Your exact height I thought you would be. Perfect. The funny thing is, though, it's because it depends on which selfie they've seen with me. So, like, when Charlie Kirk and Vosh are here, oh, and they're both 6'3", or whatever, like, Charlie's 6'5", and Vosh is 6'3", and I'm 5'10", or whatever, I look very small, and I'm like, <laughs> hey! But then we have, like, you know, Michael Malice, or or some, or, like, you know, with Joe Rogan, and they're, I think, like, 5'7", then I look a lot taller, and so, depending on which episode you've seen, I met a guy at the airport, and he's like, wow, you're massive! What? And I was like, <laughs> alright, and he's okay. like, thanks, dude. And, and it's also, too, like, the cameras point down at a slight angle, they're oh, yeah. slightly above and then down. And um, one of them actually caches is like on the ceiling, yeah. basically. So am I going to look really tall? No. <laughs> no, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Not today. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Chase T says, was Rogan hung over on your JRE episode or just oh. off? I don't know. Why? Oh, did that come out today? Uh, on your yes. episode? Your episode did come out today. You know, um, a little late, ki- but yeah. Yeah, I was kind of bummed because we talked. We were, we were talking a lot about the Rittenhouse stuff, Boo. and we were waiting for the verdict because it was recorded last Wednesday, mm. and so it comes out on a Monday, and the verdict came in last week. So <laughs> it's all over. I mean, I guess it's a good Monday for a lot of people who didn't know a lot of details. Uh, there's a lot of people who probably watched who believe the lies, mm. and I was able to clear a lot of things up about a lot of what happened. Though you know. I don't know. I'd probably be called biased because a lot of what I focus on was how they were lying about Kyle, how Kyle was, you know, you know, being smeared and, and the prosecution and stuff. And I think, you know, there probably could have been more points made about the defense's screw-ups that didn't come up because I just didn't care. Did you uh, did you happen to see the the cope fest that they had on Brian Stetler with David French? Um, cope fest. Yeah. Where oh, no. oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> oh David gosh. French is like explaining how how bad the media got the Kyle Rittenhouse story, and Brian Stetler's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, oh. embar- it's embarrassing. Oh, it was I great. Just, I just great. love that clip where the reporter is just like, 
I'd like to read you a list, of, a list of everything we got wrong. One, and not really like that, but it was basically like a six-minute rundown of everything Hilarious. they got wrong. And it was all stuff that could have easily been known the day it happened. Yep. <laughs> hey, look, I'm really excited to hear them in in uh, uh, in their you know defense filing for the defamation suits. Yep. Uh, look, our standard is to do no research. Yes, not, not even Google. not even a minute. In fact, we don't even have Google. Oh. There's no internet in our building. <laughs> None. That checks out. Yeah. All right. Let's see. John R. So, uh, I sent a COVID micro plush to a friend with a humorous note that said, sorry, I gave you COVID. <laughs> oh, Triggered. Awesome. <laughs> Another friend asked if I, if I knew a lawyer who would help him with a class action lawsuit against the unvaxxed. I'm running out of sane friends. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That'd be really funny to get the... Sorry, I gave you it's COVID. Really cute. <laughs> I think Michael Malice said he has a, a COVID positive shirt or something like that. Uh, Did he I, say that? Yeah, he's that positive so? about COVID. I oh. <laughs> he's very positive about it. Captain J-Dub says, Nick, could Midwest lawyer explain the meaning of Little Binger's email address to my mom? I loved your stream, but it also made for some uncomfortable conversations. Yikes. And I've actually had people ask me if that was his real email address. Uh, I don't know. It's um, well, it, Wait, wait, but you, it might be? It was, you know, those uh, those like people look up uh, background check websites. Oh, the gosh. people ran those, and they found and email. and one of his a former email address oh, was. Can, should I say it? I mean, is that okay? Fluffer, it's right? Flufferboy two thousand four <laughs> at yahoo dot com. I told you that was real. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll like, no way, that's real. We'll, like that's we'll, real. We'll explain more in the members only <laughs> segment yes, when, you're, when your children are not listening. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I think he's got. <laughs> It's fuzzy. It's yeah. fine. It's uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to. I want to mention something though. Um, uh, I have a friend who's you know pretty antifa, and just all of his posts are like Rittenhouse bad, Rittenhouse this. He was posting the state has a really strong case. I, I know, just really bad law. And his friends who are also antifa were like, dude, stop. stop. Like, <laughs> but he was saying like, no, 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 hear me out. We were arguing over the facts of the case. And then I said something like, you know, the prosecution was, was, in my opinion, tampering with evidence. And that sets horrifying precedent for the future. And then he responded with, that's irrelevant to the facts of the case because the state is illegitimate. And then I said, well, hold on. We, we agree. Uh, are we done? Can we just be like, we both think, uh, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. You're like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a statist for the most part, but I'm like limited government. But like when we get to the point where we're both just like the prosecution, the whole system is broken and bad. I'm like, oh, we don't need to argue about the rest of this. Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty. We'll move on. But can we start from a place of like the system is broken for a lot of reasons and then just work our way up from there? Yep. That would be very nice. Okay. Poprator says, Tim, this is an example of the lefties blanket statement. Criminal justice reform. Buy one felon and get nine free doesn't work. What does that mean? Like one person, one innocent person should go free. I don't know. Oh, we're on a 10. Buy one felon and get nine know. free. Yeah, like, that's I'm not sure. I'm gonna follow that. Oh, maybe I, if you, maybe by, uh, maybe it's what you were talking about earlier where you got 16 people and you go, okay, first one to come to me. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you, you buy one I guy see. and then you yeah. get the rest of them. Uh, okay. Maybe that's the, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I'll, 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 I'll be more uh, specific. And when I say like, I'd probably never indict or convict, you would just have to show me hard proof like there's no there's no there's no question if you came to me and said look at this fuzzy video i'd be like no i don't care you right. got to show me literally the dude committing the crime and if it's like victimless get out of my face 
But if you had like, this guy claims it was self-defense and here's what happened, I'd be like, well, then, uh, then he claims self-defense. It is better that 10 guilty persons escape than one innocent suffer. So if he says it was self-defense, unless you can prove otherwise, I'm not convicting. And no emotional argument. You got to literally show me the video. There's a video. My brother posted this. Um, or actually it's not my brother, someone else. It's, uh, uh, it's a close-up shot from that moment in question where the prosecution argued that Kyle Rittenhouse pointed the gun. There is a close-up, fairly high resolution. Have you seen it? It's one, of, yeah, one of the cell phone videos. That's right. And Rosenbaum jumps out at him and then he turns and he starts running. He never points the gun. He never has a second chance to do it. But the prosecution just made all this up. The defense didn't find that video. It's everywhere. I mean, you guys found it, didn't you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually in the defense's exhibits. Wait, um, yeah, it, I, I believe, uh, it's in there. And, and the key though is once you get on the record a piece of evidence, you get to use it in closing argument. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the lawyer strategy is get these statements, these moments in time that I can then use to build my story at the end to the jury and remind them what they saw and let them ignore a bunch of stuff that they saw too. Uh, and, and the key to this that everybody needs to understand is that all of this comes from one detective looking at a drone video that's grainy and tiny already on an iPhone that no one can verify. That's the only testimony that he raised the gun. And they had the opportunity to bring in the Zeminskis. They could have granted immunity on the one arson charge for Joshua Zeminski. He's got a million other uh, issues in his past. This is not necessary. They could have granted him immunity to give to get rid of the Fifth Amendment issue and had him testify to raising the gun. The reason they didn't is probably because he's a scary communist revolutionary who would be unpredictable on the stand. And they know it. Someone is – what is this? Someone's spamming, I guess. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Let's see. Daniel Maxwell says we should always treat those who are accused of criminal act as innocent until proven guilty in court. If we fail to do that, then we will become what the woke far left accuse of all uh, accuse us all of being. Uh, I always do. Always. This morning with the guy in Waukesha, he wasn't arrested. He was a person of interest. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were like, it was politically motivated. They're outright saying it. He's a BLM supporter. And I'm like, he was a BLM supporter. It may be politically motivated. We have no evidence he's the, he's the actual suspect or committed the, the crime. We only know him as a person of interest. For all we know, he was at home sleeping. Someone stole his car. I mean, maybe not. I mean, the likelihood is probably that this dude got in his car and, you know, did There's this. a picture of him inside the car. Yeah, but it's not a, it's, it, I'll tell you this. I will tell you this. If I was sitting on a jury and said, here's the photo that everyone's posting on the internet and here's a photo of him, I'd be like, nah, not guilty. Like, it's a blurry, low resolution mm-hmm. photo. You can see a face and a beard. Mm-hmm. And Deep so tech. I can be like, maybe. But you want me to lock a guy up for a long period of time on that? Dude, get I'm ready sorry, for dude. deep fakes when they show a video of the guy oh, saying dude. things that yeah. he didn't actually say. Oh, yeah. And what do you do? I mean, look at this. They were able to get computer-generated images admitted in evidence because none of them had, had the experience. What happens if, if the prosecution – let, let me ask you guys. What happens if the prosecution says, we've uncovered this video, and it is – I mean, you've seen the deep fakes. Mm-hmm. And they're like – and it shows the defendant plotting – you know, the attack. Well, I mean, if, look, if it's an actual deep fake, you know, a prosecutor should never use it, but that's not saying it won't happen. What if they don't know? How do you, how do you, well, first of all, I think the, the, the amount of forensic tools you have at your disposal as a prosecutor, you can find out. Basically, what you're saying is like an agent brings you a video that the agent knows is a deep fake, doesn't tell the prosecutor, and the prosecutor's just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. They get a, a unicorn bit of evidence on a Friday, <clears throat> you know, five days into the trial. That appears, and it's a video, and it's low res, but clearly depicts the defendant. And he's saying, "Like, I'm going to walk over to these guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him triggered. I'm gonna get him." 
And then as soon as they come after me, I'll take them out and claim self-defense. What if the prosecutor gets that and goes, whoa, we got him? Well, the way this is supposed to be handled and was not handled in this way in the Kyle Rittenhouse case is the defense is not supposed to stipulate to the authenticity of pretty yeah. much anything, <laughs> especially when the, so when you're, when you're in court trying to introduce evidence, you have to lay foundation. You have to say, where did this come from? How do you know it's true? What, what thing is? That's why you have to introduce evidence through a witness. The witness for the prosecution on all of the videos was a detective. And they said, how do you know that these are accurate? And he said, well, I went on Twitter and YouTube and downloaded the videos. <laughs> and again, this is another detective who's not there that night. If, if any, uh, anybody on the defense bar is watching the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and not understanding how damaging that, uh, the allowance of that evidence in, um, through those means was, especially when the drone video came in the same way, even though it's an emergency piece of evidence and should put through, be put through higher levels of scrutiny because it's coming in in the middle of trial and they've had no time to prep for it. If no, if they're not looking at that, they're, they're insane. You need to get the person who took the video, who was there that night, like Drew Hernandez, like Richie McGinnis, like Gage Groskowitz. They had three good sources. Oh, or, uh, the, the one guy. They're all bad though for the prosecutors. Well, right. And that's because the facts were bad for the prosecutors. Right. But uh, the the other guy, the defense witness is brought in. I can't remember his daughter. He was in the, the car with his daughter and they had the cell phone footage, you know, uh, that they brought in. My audience called him Juan Wick, but whatever. <laughs> um, uh, that's why you can bring those people in, subject them to cross-examination. What were you doing? Why were you filming this? Why did this catch your attention? What What was up with that? Those are the questions you're supposed to ask to lay the foundation for the evidence. And a lot of that evidence came in with just a detective saying, well, I went to a website and downloaded a video. It's like, is it a full video? Was it edited? Was it cropped? Does it have a specific slant to it? You know, who took this video? And he had no idea. But you don't have to. So this is where a lot of, a lot of uh, defense attorneys get it wrong. You do not have to be a witness or there in the time that that photo or video was taken to lay the foundation, the predicate foundation. It's that goes to chain of custody and that's a, that a judge decides that it doesn't go to a jury. But if you can subject yourself to cross examination and be credible and saying, yes, that's what it looks like for all these reasons, you can be the chain of custody witness. Yeah. You but you, you have to be able to testify that what is on the screen is a fair and accurate, yes. accurate representation of what happened. And when you get attenuated by, by a detective whose, whose sole testimony, and this is, this is again, the defense's fault in this case. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the guy's sole testimony is, I went to Twitter and YouTube no, and I downloaded totally the videos. Yeah. yeah. This is insane. Yeah. You, so, so you have no idea where these videos came from. Right. You that, don't know when the files were created. Exactly. And that's that's exactly and and you know can you tell me if these videos were gen- uh, manipulated or edited in any way? And even if the defense screwed up on this piece, which they did, like <laughs> what judge in their right mind would let that in alone? The judge can always jump in, even if the defense attorney's clowning around, he did. and say, "Where the hell is this from?" Yeah, and what Schrader was Schrader was overly permissive in this case, and 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 he he seemed to indicate throughout the trial that I want this to go to a jury and be done. Kind of as openly as possible, and in a in a standard criminal prosecution, yeah. it would be grounds for appeal if Kyle would have been convicted on on several different places. But yeah, he, but he spends a year in prison after the fact while he's waiting, right? Uh, he was out. No, so, but like if he's if he's convicted and sentenced, uh, he could be he could be taken in. 
you, yeah, you can, you can make a motion that he would be uh, subject to probation and, and let out on release conditions. That would be in the judge's discretion. Yeah. But for, a, for capital murder? That's yeah. a tough one. Listen, <laughs> most guys, when you, get in, when you get convicted, the prosecutor stands up at the end of the court and says, uh, he's a convicted felon. Yeah, His bond remand. status is different. Remand. Yeah. 90% of the time, you're going in. Yeah. Yeah, for that. All right, let's read another one. We got this one from Trunan on a shop at a pressure better calf care. He says, Tim, <laughs> please tell Rakeda how to say my name so we can get it right in the future super chats. Love both your guests tonight and all the, uh, and all the compound usual suspects. So I guess, um, you've been mispronouncing Trunan on a shop at a pressure. Probably. <laughs> uh, I painstakingly tra- uh, transcribed what Joe Biden said. Truin Inanna Shaba de Pressure. So what now? I, I sat there. I slowed it down. <laughs> Truin Inanna Shaba de Pressure? Yes! Yeah, it sounds like he was it. saying we're going to do true international something under pressure. Sharing. Yeah, true international. Yeah. Can that be the next blimp, Luke? Yeah. Uh, I think it makes sense. You know? we more, have, the more like, blimps, the better. Yes. We have the, I'm pro so, blimp. Yeah, we, we built same. the blimp, but Luke's, Luke's idea is to put the let's go Brandon on it. So we, you know. yes. And another statement, which we can't tell you here yeah, on this uh, family-friendly family platform that I think I'm, I'm very proud of as well, that <laughs> usually hangs up on my, I, I, on my RV. I think we should. I agree. We should, yes, put that banner on the blimp. And if you're wondering what that is, I guess we'll have to bring this all up at the in the less family-friendly Earmuffs for your children if you want to listen to it episode. It's so much fun. <laughs> Heather Barrett says, Nick, will you be covering the Ghislaine Maxwell case? Ooh. Ooh. Jury selection just in, started. In some sense, but uh, as Kesh stated earlier, there are no cameras in federal courtrooms. So we will not be able to cover it in the same way that we were able to cover the Kyle Rittenhouse case. So I will be looking for another full trial. And the the biggest one on the horizon for me is Kim Potter, the taser, taser, taser Mm. lady. I have heard there will be cameras in the courtroom for her. So we might be able to do a full trial of her. But uh, for for Jelaine Maxwell, it will be uh, it'll be tough. Could we sit there? Yeah, I mean, just like take notes, sit there stenographer could I mean, yeah, could we fundraise have... someone to be there to report to you and you can make a report almost at the end of every day of the court proceeding exactly wait, 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 what wait. happened we can send one of our journalists yeah we could just send one of okay cars. can we, we have do reporters that? Yeah. Yes, like every single yeah. day do it okay. they're in new york great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, this is in minnesota right no 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 maxwell oh, no it's in oh, new york oh, oh, oh maxwell Federal yes court. yes absolutely we can get a reporter in there yeah, if if we have media reports for Jelaine Maxwell, I'm sure you know tons of people have been asking me to have uh, the the panel of lawyers review this case and talk about it. Um, it the the question in all of these things is, can we get the information? That that's the main thing. So if we have a reliable source, it's not filtered through like, you know, CNN, ABC, MSNBC. Uh, then, then I'm certain we can put some stuff together. We need a court reporter. Yeah, but remember, in federal court. So if you send anybody in there, that's not the lawyers. Uh, no cell phones. Right. Yeah. No. So they'd have to literally be there writing everything down, then but, run out at lunch, give you an update. It would have to be someone with legal experience. Yeah. So if you guys know anyone, our reporters couldn't do it because when they, if they say yeah. something like, I think the easiest example for most people they don't understand is with prejudice. Mm-hmm. All I see all these people on Twitter saying like, "Whoa!" They said with prejudice, like like they're racist, racist. or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's not what it means. No. But it's a legal term. It has a different definition. So we need someone who understands that. Yeah, Otherwise, lawyer. imagine you get you know a layman in there and they say something with prejudice, and he goes, "Because they were racist." <laughs> I, I mean, I bet. Look, this is pretty. I bet you Veritas and O'Keefe can get somebody tomorrow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean... Well, I would be interested in this uh, as well. So feel free to email me, info at wearechange.org. But it has to be a lawyer. It has to be someone with legal expertise. I mean, a paralegal... You know. Paralegal is just as good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 3L law student. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. There, Send there might emails. be there anyway. Email jobs at timcast.com, and I'd, I'd love to get someone with uh, with legal experience or law understanding. That's going to be a fun trial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Six oh, weeks. Six the Rolling weeks. Stone wrote that the media establishment and uh, people in high society are afraid of what's going to come out <laughs> because of this trial. So It's going to be awesome. I love the tweets yeah. when, like, when uh, – um, all the celebrities are tweeting support for Rosenbaum. Oh, yes. and my, my thing was like, stop assuming things about people. Mm. I, I looked at the tweet from Mark Ruffalo where he oh. called him Jojo. And yeah. I'm like, yo, 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 yo. Like a pet name for this guy. And I see all the responses were like, don't you know what he did? Don't you know what he did to children? Don't you know? I'm like, why do you all assume good? F- like this guy is just a poor bumbling fool. Like you see them do these things over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you are of the opinion that someone like Mark Ruffalo has simply made an honest and ignorant mistake, not realizing who he was supporting, you are the Internet's definition of insane. Constantly touching the flame and going, ow, maybe it won't burn this time. Ow, maybe it won't burn this time. Because um, this dude does this a lot. And not just him, but a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. When Hollywood actively supports covers for Weinstein, the media covers for Epstein, they know all about it. And now you hear them cheering for Rosenbaum. I'm like, Duh. maybe it's time to stop <laughs> desperately assuming they're people who are just ignorant and realize, yeah, they know exactly what they're cheering for. Yeah. But uh, we'll talk a bit more about that Hollywood in the is, segment. <laughs> Hollywood is filled with some really nasty, bad people. I'll just oh, leave yeah. it at that. Fox uh, Chase Racing says, Nick is the kind of guy you can trust uh, trust with your drunk, naked wife, but not your last glass of the Dalmore. No joke. Nick is one of the smartest, <laughs> nicest, funniest guys and one with a functioning moral compass that inspires. Nick, you're a class act, my friend. Hey, wow. what's up, Fox Chase? Very Thanks, cool. buddy. So what's the Dalmore? I'm not uh, Dalmore, it. it's a it's a scotch. Ah, say, okay. So you yeah. just yeah. steal it from everybody. Yeah. Well, uh, Dalmore Cigar Malt is a fantastic scotch, by the where, way. Where did our pappy go? What? Oh, my, Nick. Oh my it's, goodness. It's over there. Nick. <laughs> it's, <laughs> del- it's delicious, by the way. I'm going to have more in a little bit. Nice. You know, I, I, we have a really nice uh, booze shelf, and we've had, like, I would say 90% of people are sober. They come in and say, I don't drink anymore. And so I'm like, would you like to part- Im- imbibe our, our delicious and, and costly alcohols? And they're like, oh, no, not me. I don't drink anymore. I'm like, oh, man. But Nick comes in and he's like, where's the whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> Sir, come with me. It's like Willy Wonka. I'm like, look at all of the great whiskey you can drink. I was excited. I was like, yes, try the pappy. You have to try the pappy. I've tried two different pappies. That's great. They're both great. I guess one technically isn't a pappy. Right. It's the family reserve or whatever, but one is or something. And so the, it's like the Keystone. I like the, uh, the family reserve. I liked it better. The 13 really? year. Oh gosh, it's good. Wow. Yeah. The, we have the Lafroy, and apparently it tastes like, uh, the bottom of an ashtray. Oh, I'm gonna do that one very next. Smoky. Yeah, 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 by all means. Yeah. yeah. Band-aids. I get the Gross. band-aid flavor. Mm, a little bit Delicious. of road tar. I'm not saying it's bad. <laughs> uh, sounds great. <laughs> what did they say? It's actually like peat. Yeah. That's oh, it. Yeah, very yeah. mossy. Okay. Very mossy. Mm. It's like eating a campfire. I mean, you, mm. that's put out. I mean, you, we're not crazy. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, like, I actually like the taste. Oh, yeah. Know? I'm not a drinker or anything, but I, I like, you know, that kind of, you know, flavor. Flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Lagavulin's another one that's just solid on the smoke and, and peat. Sharkbite Biz says, hey, Tim, loved you on Rogan. Huge fan. Give a shout out to my show on YouTube. Sharkbite Biz just chatted with Guar today about how NFTs are the gateway to the multiverse. Yeah, the multiverse. Totally tippy. Ian would love it. 
Sharkbite, Sharkbite Biz. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you for that. Thank you. Nice. Missykin says, Tim, based on the idea that people act different in front of a camera, do you think that Vice News embedded with the supremacists in Charlottesville hoping it would provoke them? Uh, no. Uh, I don't, I actually don't know. Actually, I don't know enough about the people who embedded with the, the Charlottesville crew for, for that stuff, but I actually trust them a little bit more than I don't. I don't know them enough, but there's a few reporters who were involved who had done things of principle that I remember. I can't get specific. It's been too long. But I remember talking to them and being like, that was, that was a class act. They said something. They called out some fake news and were like, that's BS. But Vice as a whole, man, really went down the gutter. It's kind of crazy to think that like, you know, when, when, when I was the first person they hired for Vice News. They had an idea they wanted to do something, but they didn't want to do on the ground reporting. So when I came there and, and basically argued with them for six months about why they should hire me, long story short, they said, okay, all right, maybe Vice News will be field reporting and less just documentary. And so I actually went on the ground in Ukraine and Venezuela and Brazil and all these countries. And then to see where it is now and just like what it turned into, I'm kind of like, Ooh. I used to be like, did you know that I was the founding member of Vice News? Now I'm like, I don't know. I have nothing to do with that. Stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. No, no. Oh, no. No, I, I'm, I have it on my Twitter. Like I Only Wikipedia posted now. Now they're like in big, bold letters. Like everyone should know. But uh, there was a point where I was very much like, you know, very proud that it be it, it after I had left, it had, was doing really well. They were doing great reporting, Syria, internationally. And then it just went like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not really news anymore. It's just like Sad. feminism, yeah. you know? Yep. I know why too. I think I talked about it on the show because I, I have a friend who was an executive, and it was basically that they um, the investors revolted over the potential lawsuits they were facing. Long story short, and so they decided one way to protect our image with these lawsuits coming is to embrace feminism wholeheartedly huh. and make that a core part of our message. And they were just like, "Okay, Vice is the HBO one." Vice is a the, they they were on HBO, not on Showtime, but they're just a, the big media company. They shot an episode about me. Oh yeah, how was it? Uh-uh. They, I went out to Telluride after I retired, and they wanted to just oh, shoot, right. and they they came out and filmed me for two days, and they used sixty seven seconds of. Footage. Well, that was they had a daily show. They had a daily show yeah. and a mag in a magazine. Now that story about you know what, what I was told m- might not be true. I don't know. Um, I do know what I experienced, but I was told by you know someone who was a former like higher up that lawsuits were a big deal mm. and that they had they had um accusations against people in the company over like you know harassment things like that and they were uh, like we got to get in front of this they also had a, um vice had a really big pr blunder when one of their hosts of vice on hbo admitted on youtube that he raped a masseuse oh, and went god what? What? A, i'll give some That's legal advice never do that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he went into great detail holy moly yeah it was um you know the dude who painted facebook and then he, like they they were like We'll give you stock in exchange for painting this place. And he was like, okay. And then he became a multimillionaire. Yes. Of it. Yes. I like that guy. What is I that think that name? was him. I could be wrong. Oh my gosh. What was his uh, name? I like him less. He's been on Rogan. He's like a, this really, so um, eccentric he did, artist. He did a, he did a podcast. I, I, I may be getting this wrong. Cho, something. David Cho, is it him? I gotta look it up. Yeah. Um, facts check me on this one and I will preface this with, it's yeah. been a long time since I've, you know, this is years ago. This is nine years ago or whatever, eight years ago. But I remember being at Vice when this went down and he's on YouTube in a podcast being like, so there I am at this, you know, massage therapy place. And he goes into detail, which I won't what? detail here what? about how he grabbed the woman and was like very mm. excited. And then they were all like, uh, I, and then oh it's definitely David Cho is the Facebook guy. I don't know if it's the same guy. I'm pretty sure that was him. He was on Vice. You know, maybe yeah. And then they were like, "What do we do?" And then they were like, "I got an idea. Nothing. Just don't say anything. You'll pour fuel on the fire and let it 
you know, all blow over. So, welcome to media. Huh. All right, we'll grab a couple more here. Yes, it. Yes, it's Tess says Tim. You should have uh, you should have Amazon's Utopia writers on your show and discuss what would be revealed in season two. There was also a British version, but it only lasted one season. It would be an interesting conversation. Great show, but very creepy. Yeah, you know about Utopia, right? You guys? No idea. Utopia is a show that aired on Amazon uh, recently. I think it was this past year about um, yes a, a, a tech yeah, a tech yeah, billionaire yeah, yeah. who is yeah. concerned about overpopulation, who's working oh, yes. to make fake meat decides that the way to save the planet is to create a fake pandemic so that he can rush through a vaccine without proper approval or testing, and the vaccine actually sterilizes people. Oh, there you go. It's a pretty good show, but it's a little... Uh, on the nose. Some, well, no, some of the acting... Well, it's not really. I mean, it's just like... People thought it was. They had to put yeah. a disclaimer saying this is not real life in any way. It's and like, really don't. This guy no. wrote this in 2016. Mm. <laughs> I think it was actually written over a decade ago. Yeah. Did you know that there was a book called The Titan? And it was about a large cruise ship that hits an iceberg and then sinks with all the rich people on it. Huh. Hmm. I believe it was called Titan, right? I think so. That yeah, and it was right. written like 50 years before the, the, so the, the, the Titanic sank. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's a true story. True, true, true story. Huh? Crazy, huh? Title, but yeah. Jack says Mark Ruffalo is from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Is that true? I gotta look that up. That no sounds idea. like one of those facts that sounds like it's true, but yeah, it's, it's not. Ga- it's like gotta be. He <laughs> yeah. yeah, like who would just he say that? Says, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's so weird because, you know, being from Chicago, like we all know Kenosha. We all know Antioch. You know, we all know these places. So for me, it was actually it, – it's fairly easy to see through some of these some of these lies because when they were like, he crossed state lines, I was like, from Antioch? Like what? <laughs> he like probably walked out his backyard. Like what are you talking about? What does that mean? For a lot of people who don't know anything about Illinois, they're assuming that, you know, he got in his car, drove 100 miles yeah. to a city he's never right. been to. And that's how the lies work, man. That's how they get mm-hmm. you. Well, gotta fix the media. Joseph Rosenbaum crossed several state lines yeah, from his convictions in Arizona all the way up to Wisconsin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, we'll, we'll do this one more. This is a good one. Uh, oh, wait. What's this? Joshua R. Polson says Veritas hired Paul Kelly of Kelly Law to file their complaint to the feds. Oh. Really? Is that, is that new? I don't know. If that, I don't yeah. know. Tree Climber says Alec Baldwin trial. Yeah. What, what, are your, what are your quick thoughts on what's going on with the Alec Baldwin stuff? Ooh, quick thoughts. Oh, oh, okay, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll, I'll keep it simple. Do you think there will be a, a, any charges or an indictment? I don't think they'll do it against Alec Baldwin. If they do any charges or indictment, so. it would be maybe negligence, uh, criminal negligence against one of the the armorer or the more more likely that assistant director, whatever. Who's he's a guy who said the gun was clear without and admitted to the police that he didn't check it. They're going to pay off the family. Yeah. Oh, huge, yeah. Huge check. Um, we got a regular chat here that I have to read. I think it's really good. Okay. Joe Joe Biden. Yes. I like it. <laughs> I, I dig it. Yeah. Luke, you got to make saw a shirt. That. I, yeah, saw I saw that. Luke writes it down. I'm making thinking, a shirt. Yeah. I got my notes. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo tweeting out support for Joe Joe Biden. There you go. And only and, and the only people who know, like only if you know, you know. You know what I mean? And if you know, you're kind of like, yeah. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> All right, everybody. If you, haven't, if you have not already, you can help out by smashing the like button, subscribing to this channel, and sharing the show with all your friends. Mm-hmm. Take that URL up top, paste it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Well, you can't really put it on Instagram, but you can click, click that share button. That really helps out. Don't forget, go to TimCast.com. We're going to have a members-only segment that apparently is going to be very 
gross <laughs> and not family friendly. I might need alcohol. <laughs> you have, yeah. you are free. We to grab definitely all need of it. more. A bunch. But we get, we got to talk about. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff with the Maxwell trial. There's a lot of stuff with you know Rosenbaum and the aftermath and what we're talking about with JoJo Biden. We'll get into. So make sure you check that out. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL basically everywhere or like Timcast underscore IRL or something. You can follow me everywhere at Timcast. I'll be posting stuff on Instagram more. I'm trying to you know Twitter is. Ugh. But uh, you, you guys want to uh, – well, Riketa, do you want to shout anything out? Uh, yeah, I'll shout out my YouTube channel, uh, Riketa Law on YouTube. I do nightly live streams at 11 p.m. Central Time. They tend to go till 2 a.m. Central Time. And yeah. starting Wednesday, I'll be adding a daytime show that will have uh, an open invitation to a bunch of lawyers to join the lawyer panel. We'll be, we'll be discussing more focused legal topics on that show and be looking for trials to follow a la – the Rittenhouse trial. So come check it out. Cool. Uh, thanks for having me back, guys. Really appreciate it. Real quick, uh, uh, fightwithcash.com with a K. Basically what we're doing, traveling around the country, raising money for people who have been defamed and deplatformed. All the money, I keep nothing. All that goes to lawyers who are skilled in defamation suits, we will pay for them and we want nothing in return. We want you guys to have your day in court and help fix their correct media. If Kyle's camp is in need of funding, let us know. Info at fightwithcash.com. More importantly, the best announcement I've had in a while, which I said at the beginning of the show, yes. the merch store went online yeah. at fightwithcash.shop, and all of TimCast audiences gets a discount tonight. Just jump in the discount code TimCast. I want that. that and you get the jacket, jacket. you get Super the beanie, jacket. you got the hat, you got T-shirts, and all the proceeds, all of it, go to right back to the Offensive Legal Trust for fightwithcash.com. So thanks for everything. Awesome. Well, Cash, thank you for the beanie. Well, uh, nice. I might I might yes. have to start a Love beanie it. competition <laughs> with, with Tim. Uh, who knows, but I appreciate Thanks for uh, sending that to me. Uh, and yeah, a lot of crazy stuff is happening all around the world, especially in Holland and Belgium and Italy. I talked about that extensively on my YouTube channel. We are change. And I also did a really special video about what if, what I would do if I was 21 years of age, if I had to start all over. I talked about that exclusively on LukeUncensored.com. Hope to see some of you guys there. Thanks for having me. That was great. I, great to see you again, man. Cash and Nick, good to meet you, man. Uh, hope to see you guys again. Wonderful night. Ian Crossland. That's iancrossland.net. Check it out. Peace out. And before we go, I have two little bits of completely unrelated trivia. So if you pass out when you see blood, you have a form of vasovagal syncope. So that's Whoa. correct. It's mm. the vas- vagus nerve that affects your ability to s- handle the sight of blood. It's like a strong response. And there were not one but two books that predicted the sinking of the Titanic well before it happened. Which is really interesting, Whoa. including yeah, the uh, the Titan. Did you guys see that creepy video where the bailiff in the courtroom's foot disappears on stream? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I didn't. I was joking when I tweeted it, but people are taking it seriously. I said it was a simulation the whole time. It was just a streaming glitch. But <laughs> I had glitch. people responding like, "You're crazy," and I'm like, "I was joking." Like, it's a YouTube gl- it's a YouTube glitch or something. This is why artifacting and compression are very, very important topics for yeah. young defense lawyers to learn. Mm-hmm. This video should be preserved if it ever comes up again like any trial it's like i'd like to use evidence your honor i'd like you to watch this clip from youtube where the cop's foot disappears from the court's feed yeah right right. (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody head over to timcast.com become a member and we will see you all there on 11 or so p.m thanks for hanging out bye guys Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.